was limited in what he could do. His critics say he should have pursued the matter more robustly at the time, and Labour are calling for an independent inquiry. The Spanish operators of London Luton Airport are considering pulling out of aviation altogether. Barcelona-based Abertis owns Belfast International and Cardiff Airport and has already put them up for sale. The firm made almost £500 million in profit in 2011, but have seen passenger numbers drop as a result of the economic downturn. The retrial will begin today of Vicky Price, the ex-wife of the former Cabinet Minister Chris Hune. The original trial collapsed last week when the jury failed to reach a verdict. Ms Price denies perverting the course of justice by taking speeding points for Mr Hune nearly a decade ago. Hertfordshire County Council's in the firing line for the amount it spends on taxis for school children. According to figures obtained by The Telegraph, Hertfordshire was one of the biggest spenders in the country on school cabs, having paid out more than £15 million in the year 2011 to 2012, which equates to £77,000 a day. More on this coming up next with Ian Lee. A survey suggests that almost 90% of people in England and Wales have no idea who their local police and crime commissioner is. The Electoral Reform Society says it shows the Home Office's flagship policy is failing to reconnect police with the public. Pest controllers say the weather has led to a marked increase in mole-related call-outs across bed tarts and bucks. Phil Crossley's already trapped hundreds in Bedfordshire this year. Because it's been so wet, all the worms are starting to come to the surface so they can still breathe because otherwise they'll drown, so the mole's just following his food. The wetter it is, the more they'll come up. In sport, Watford manager Gianfranco Zola's targeting automatic promotion in the championship. The Hornets moved into second place at the weekend after their win over Derby. And the weather, cloud with light rain or drizzle today with a top temperature of 6 degrees Celsius. That's 43 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. <laughs> oh, Catherine! What? I spotted your April Fools this morning. Worms can't drown. They don't have mouths. What do they eat soil with then? Oh, yeah. What on earth do worms eat soil with? Have you ever seen a worm's mouth? Well, you haven't, because they don't have them. If worms have mouths, that would mean they have teeth and tongues. Worms don't have tongues. I'm getting confused now. What the, do wor- I need a worm expert on the line. 08459 455 555. What on earth does a worm have? If you cut them in half, they grow into two worms. We know that. Okay, we know that as a fact. But but how do they eat dirt? And do they poo? 08459 455 555. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show, including worms and moles, apparently. Also, on a slightly more serious tangent, Nick Clegg says there was no cover-up over allegations of sexually inappropriate behaviour by the party's former chief exec, Lord Renard. We'll get the latest from our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. We're talking school taxis this morning. Do you send your kids to school in a taxi? Ooh, la-di-da. Very fancy. Well, apparently it costs Hertfordshire County Council £77,000 a day last year. What do you think about that? And we're looking for the longest commute to work. The average annual mileage of car driving commuters is the equivalent of travelling to New York and back. Yeah, I know where I'd rather go. Luton, of course, for this show. <laughs> New York. What's New York got that Luton hasn't? Um, gosh. Anyway, if you want to get in touch, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Go on there and have a little argument with the uh, the other listeners. Play nice, don't be rude. 
Some of you are very rude. Um, what else can you do? You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. Oh, and this is the best way to do it. Look, all of the lines are free. Who wants to be the first caller on the show this morning? Who wants to be the first caller? Roll up, roll up, win a prize. Literally no prizes to be won here. But 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, and also, I, I, I went and saw my mum at the weekend, right? And I, I, I've not seen my mum for a while. I've forgotten just how completely mental my mum is. She was describing a film that she saw. But she just went off into the weirdest, weirdest details. So we've got a new feature called What on Earth is Ian's Mum Thinking Of? Right, I'll play you the first one now. You have to try and get... This is quite an easy one. This is breaking you in gently. OK, you should get it from this. But just... Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. What on earth is my mum thinking of? She's describing someone, OK? He's good-looking. There are plenty of girls after him. He's sent on missions by the Queen or the hierarchy in the Parliament. <laughs> it might be to kill somebody or just arrest them. I don't, I don't know which. It could, could, it could be sent on a mission by the Queen to kill someone or it might be to arrest them. She doesn't know which. 08459 455 555. What on earth is my mum thinking of? It's quite worrying, really. We come on this loop, John B. My grandfather and me Around Nassau town We did wrong Drinking all night Got into a fight Well, I feel so broken Yeah. 
Well, I was singing along there, and I nearly faded the microphone open with me singing the harmonies to Sloop John B by the Beach Boys. Something you don't want to hear. Now, the Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, says he knew about concerns surrounding the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard, back in 2008. He described them as indirect and non-specific. Previously, the Deputy Prime Minister said he didn't know of any issues until they were reported last week. Lord Renard denies allegations of sexual harassment against several women. The Lib Dem President, Tim Farron, believes Mr Clegg was right to arrange for Chris Renard to be spoken to once he'd heard rumours about his behaviour. just think actually the response was the right one, that if you hear something about a colleague, rather than letting it fester, you confront them. And, of course, there's no detail on which to confront them. And in many respects, if it had been a, a disciplinary hearing or something, then Chris Renard would have been, at that point at least, within his right to, uh, to complain himself. There will now be an independently chaired review into Lib Dem procedures as well as disciplinary, a disciplinary investigation into Lord Renard. The Labour MP, Kate Green, is the Shadow Minister for Women and Equalities and says it's vital the investigations are thorough. Lord Renard is absolutely uh, adamantly denying the accusations. The women have been very clear, as I understand it, uh, in the allegations that they are making. Uh, and when that situation arises and there is so much confusion, I think that independent oversight actually is the fairest thing for everybody. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I had a, such a. I only, I only saw my mum for about a couple of hours at the weekend, and we had such a lovely day together. Uh, it was lovely, but she is bonkers. She is bonkers, and it, it, this could become a regular feature. What on earth is my mum thinking of? Have a listen to this, and then give me a call if you know who she's describing. He's good looking. There are plenty of girls after him. Yeah. He sent on missions by the Queen or the hierarchy in the in Parliament. It might be to kill somebody or just arrest them. I don't, I don't know which. So, who is my mum thinking of? 08459 455 555. I tell you now, that's the easy one. I've got her describing a film later on. That's the easy one you've got there. Uh, it, was, it was tough to do the film as well, because we did two others, and then when I got home, I realised she was talking about a completely different film. Completely different. 08459 455 555. I know Mother's Day is a couple of weeks away. Let's buck the trend. Should we celebrate the magic of our mums this morning? Mums are pretty awesome, aren't they? Aren't they? So it's hard to fall out with your mum. Mums are pretty awesome. Let's celebrate the magic of mums today. Why is your mum so good? 08459 455 555. Front pages. There's Anne Hathaway's back again. We're always seeing pictures of her back. It was the Oscars last night. We'll be talking about that vacuous, pointless celebrities slapping each other on the back. It's weird, the Oscars, isn't it? Because to be in movies, you get paid a lot of money. Some people get paid millions of dollars. I don't know what that is in pounds, but it's probably a lot. They get paid a lot of money, okay? And then they go and have a really vacuous evening. I've been to awards ceremonies. They're dull, they're pointless, they're full of ego. Oh, listen, if I got offered an award, of course I'd go. Oh, oh, 
of course I'll go. I won a silver Sony once. I won a silver Sony. I was so not that bothered about it. I was, um, I was on holiday. I was on holiday. And I got a text saying, oh, you want a silver? All oh, right. Not a gold, then. <laughs> not a gold, then. Of course I'd go if I was up for one. Let's not be ridiculous. But they are vacuous. Anyway, it's her back on the front page. Uh, also on the Telegraph, credit rating cut puts pound at risk and revealed the damning new claim against Nick Clegg. More on that later on. The Independent. Uh, there's a picture of Donatella Versace. Ooh, what a strange face. She's got a strange face. Plastic surgery, is it? Possibly. Uh, there's also a picture of a Dalek. And Clegg, I did know about sex claims. Also, English people who relocate to Wales may get tax breaks. Yeah, but you'd be living in Wales. You know, pluses and minuses. The Times. Clegg says he knew of sex claims about Pia. Uh, Jessica, Jas- Jessica Chastain, who is an actress... Um, and Tories turn on Chancellor over lost credit rating. The Daily Express. There's a, a, a lady giving her... Th- really weak thumbs up she's given there. There's no strength in that thumb at all. And she's got what I'm assuming is cream on her nose. New farce over migrant crooks, says the Express. Judge overrules plan to boot out foreign criminals by Mesa Hall political editor. Britain's top immigration judge is defying attempts to stop foreign criminals exploiting European human rights laws to stay in Britain. Uh, the Daily Mail. Weasel words. Clegg insisted he didn't know about sex allegations against Pierre. Now he admits he ordered probe five years ago into non-specific claims of assault. And the son... Uh, Reva drives to her death. Reva Steenkamp smiles as she drives her mini up uh, to the gated home of Oscar Pistorius. Have you seen the story that broke in the weekend about the Pistorius case? Is that his brother is up for... I don't know the exact term. It's it's something murder. It's not murder. It's, and everyone's going, oh, Oscar Pistorius' brother is a murderer? Well, no. You look into the story. What happened was he killed someone in a car crash. So, not really any relevance or connection to the story whatsoever. 08459 four double five five double five is the phone number. 615. Let's get the travel news with a voice I'd miss. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, no major problems to be updating you with just yet. Looks like it's all moving fairly nicely on the whole. Motorways in particular moving well. No problems on the western stretch of the M25 and the M1 also looking fairly good at the moment. Now, the usual delays around the North Orbital Road and on the A414 really not causing any problems at the moment. And the trains are also moving to time on the departure boards. There's more in 15 minutes. Thank you very much, Sophie. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 6.16 on Monday the 25th of February. These are your headlines. This morning, the Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, has denied accusations that he covered up allegations of inappropriate behaviour against a senior party figure. The Spanish firm, which operates London Luton Airport, is considering pulling out of aviation altogether. In sport, Premier League champions Manchester City beat Chelsea 2-0, reducing Manchester United's lead at the top of the table to 12 points. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy with light rain or drizzle. Top temperature, 6 degrees. Coming up, before 6.30, we're talking school taxis this morning. Do you send your kids to school in a taxi? Well, it costs Hertfordshire County Council £77,000 a day last year. What do you think? Better ways they could be spending their money? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Red Nose Day is back. 
So get ready to raise some cash. This year for Comic Relief, I'm going to be raising money by sitting in a bath of tuna for hours. By baking for a cake shell. I'm going to tell jokes non-stop for six hours. This year for Comic Relief, I'm going to dye my hair with red spots. How will you raise money for Red Nose Day? Join the fundraisers and do something funny for money. For your free fundraising kit, search online for Red Nose Day. Listen, Red Nose Day is fantastic. We're supporting it here. We're planning various bits and pieces. Don't don't sit in a bath of tuna or beans. I mean, come on, for goodness sakes, you, you, you can do better than that, can't you? You can do something better than that. I mean, fair play to the lady. She's having a go, and, and not everyone does, but you can do better than that. I'm just changing... I'm, I'm, I'm stalling here because I'm changing the next song. I'm going to go for a little... I fancy a bit of Glenn Campbell. Uh, well, well, I tell you what, Lynn? Yeah? Do, do you like Glenn Campbell? I do like Glen Campbell. Okay, the, the choice is yours. Okay, you can have Rhinestone Cowboy, Rhinestone Cowboy, or Wichita Lineman. Which one would you like? Oh, Wichita oh, Lineman, please. It's going. It's going to be the next song. I've put that in there. There we go. Lovely. Now, you reckon you know what my mum is talking about? Let me just play this I one do. more time. Hang on a second. Here we go. He's good looking. <laughs> there are plenty of girls after him. He sent on missions. By the Queen or the hierarchy in the in Parliament, it might be to kill somebody or just arrest them. I don't, I don't know which. Okay, this, this is an easy one, Lynn. So, but who do you think she's describing? Well, I'm as mad as a box of frogs as well. Yeah, I reckon it's James Bond. You're on. You think you're on my mum's wavelength by being slightly yes. subnormal. Well, mum, who are you <laughs> thinking of? The person I was thinking of. Is James Bond. Not once in that description of James Bond, the world's most famous spy, did you mention the word spy? No. Why? Because that really is irrelevant. <laughs> was that irrelevant? He's, he's a spy. You're describing him. How is his profession and the main point of his films, how is that irrelevant? Um, well, I can't remember anything he did that was... It's called spying. Well, you went round. You were sent by the Queen to go and kill people. That's that's spying, isn't it? Well, I suppose it is. <laughs> you see, well done, Lynn. You got it right. But she didn't mention well, the word you spy. What, you've you've adopted Auntie Eileen. Yeah, Nanny Eileen. Nanny Eileen, I think I'll adopt your mum. She sounds oh, okay. Lynn, you, you can have her, please, please. <laughs> All right, listen. No, you think you were good there. I also got my mum to describe a film. Do you want to have a listen to the film she's describing? I could S- do. See if, listen to this and see if you can guess what film it is. This is where it starts to get a little bit harder. This oh, right. is in prison and he's due to go to literature, which, when you see is not nice... Anyway, they shave a ball patch on the head. So you think, ah, oh, the men go to be electrocuted until they're dead. And is that it? Yeah. That's all that happens, yeah? Yeah. Right, so... so <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you now, Lynn, that's not, not all that happens in the film at all, by quite a long stretch, but my, my mum thinks in this two-hour film, that's all that happened, and I'm, I apologise for the graphic description of electrocution. <laughs> Lynn, what film do you think my mum's talking about? I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Lynn, excellent stuff, thank you for being good sport. 08459 455 555. What film is my mum talking about? And as requested by Lynn in Hemel Hempstead... Glen Campbell, Wichita Lineman. Oh, this is a song, isn't it? He's a lineman for the county. 
I am a lineman for the county And I drive the main roads Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire Through the wine and the witcher tall lineman is still on the line. I know I need a small vacation. But it don't look like rain And if it snows that stretch down south Won't ever stand the strain And I need you more than want you And I want you for all time And the Wichita lineman is still on the choice Lynn good choice that's a song wonderful oh, I love Glen Campbell absolutely wonderful morning this is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio 08459 455 555 Hertfordshire County Council spent around £77,000 a day on taxis to take children to and from school last year The figures obtained by The Telegraph showed that 33 local authorities out of 150 spent just under £155 million, with Hertfordshire being one of the highest spenders, with over £15 million in the 2011-2012 to school year. Well, Matthew Sinclair is from the Taxpayers Alliance. Matthew, are you surprised by how high this figure is? I am surprised. I think some of this uh, supposedly is children with special educational needs who maybe can't get the bus, uh, can't get in uh, in other ways. Um, but uh, the suggestion is that a lot of it's because um, it's, it's uh, students in remote areas, students who don't get into the schools um, that are near them, uh, are having to have this kind of uh, provision made. And given that Hertfordshire is hardly... Uh, you know the the most the most remote place that you know. Yes, of course, there you know there are rural areas, 
Uh, but the idea that they can't get the bu- get the bus routes right, get the school provision right, such that it is uh, possible for, for for more students to get the bus to keep this bit, kind of bill down, uh, I think going to be I think it's quite surprising. Surely it's the parents' responsibility, not the the council's responsibility, to make sure the kids get to school. Whether that means yeah. um, starting work a bit later or, or, or getting dropping the kids off earlier, surely it's their responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, if you live in a more remote area, then you should expect you know a bit more of a job getting your kids into school, things like that. You know, it's one of the trade-offs you make. Um, but I think that. Um, what seems to be the case is that for some of these kids, you're talking about it's the special educational needs side of things, but then the other side is that it's children haven't got into the schools which were in their, in their area. And I think, yeah, there's still absolutely a question of parental responsibility, but at the same time, what you'd hope over time is that the routes for the buses that get people into school and the schools themselves respond to where the demand is. And so you, you don't have, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have this situation uh, where more, where, 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 ch- where children are having to um, uh, make these sort of unreasonably difficult journeys because you should be getting uh, the bus where people need to be getting it in so that, that these, these journeys are under the, under the couple of the few miles where that they're sort of judged reasonable for them to make it under their own power. Do you think we're being too soft on on, on kids, Matthew? I remember my school, uh, when I was a bit older, was, was quite some distance away, and sometimes I'd walk, sometimes I'd get the bus, uh, or sometimes my mum would drop me off. And if my mum yeah, did drop me off... Yeah, get on the bike, yeah. Yeah, well, get on the bike. If my mum did drop me off, I have to, I'd get there an hour early. And it was a pain, but... I did it. I got on with it. Shouldn't they just be doing that? Yeah, no, look, and plenty of plenty of plenty of people do that kind of thing just because they're because their working hours are, are it's, it's to make their working work anyway. You know, plenty of people do uh, sort of cope with funny hours with sort of say longer longer dis- longer distances. Um, I, I I think that you'd hope that so that's yeah, that's. Uh, that's that's no more necessary than it needs to be because you know you wouldn't want to sort of do that for the sake of it. But uh, it, it, you know you, it can't be you know, the, the the bill for uh, transporting kids by taxi every single day mm. is so huge that every single one of these cases we can avoid is a significant saving because you know I mean it, it's an, it, it would be an enormous expensive thing for most people to get the tax get the taxi into work every day. You're know, doing it for school is uh, a big outlay. Uh, when there's all sorts of other pressures on uh, council finances and on the finances of the council taxpayers who pick up the bill. Can we trust the council to spend council tax money correctly? If we're hearing £77,000 a day on taxis for kids to school, can we have any faith in them? Well, I mean, there are all sorts of bills that have exploded in the, uh, exploded over a decade. Uh, you know, councils, uh, the number of staff they employ earning more than £50,000. Uh, this council across the country went up ninefold over a decade, whereas it went, only went up threefold in the wider economy. Uh, they're spending a fortune on um, things like mileage payments for staff uh, above the HMLC recommended rates. So there's, there's some enormous areas in which councils can make savings. And what's I think really important is that every sa- every sort of penny of savings they 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 make can can make room for easing the burden on. Uh, on, on council tax, which people have seen become an absolutely enormous bill um, over the sort of, over the two thousands, uh, and that anything that can sort of make it easier to to ease that pressure at a time when there are so many other pressures on people's finances has to be right. Matthew, thank you very much, Matthew Sinclair from the Taxpayers Alliance. What do you think? 
Hearts County Council spend around, uh, spent around last year £77,000 a day on taxis to take kids to, to and from school. Money well spent? Some of these are children with special needs. Okay, and I, I don't quite know what the breakdown is there. Let's be honest about that. But what's wrong with getting on your bike? What's wrong with walking? Walk to school. It's a few miles. It was tough. Walk. I used to walk all the time when I was young. 08459 455 555. I would love to speak to you if your children or your grandchildren make use of this. If, you, if they get a taxi to school. I've never heard of anything so decadent. 08459 455 555. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking fairly good out there at the moment. No problems to update you with. Motorway still moving nicely and looking good as well in the usual travel areas. The A406 and the uh, A414 still looking fairly good approaching the North Orbital Road. And I'm moving well on the trains also at the moment, all running to time on the local departure boards. Tube's also looking good in and out of London this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. It's 6.30 time for the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. The Liberal Democrat leader Nick Clegg has denied accusations that he covered up allegations of inappropriate behaviour against a senior party figure. The Spanish firm, which operates London Luton Airports, considering pulling out of aviation altogether. And Hertfordshire County Council's in the firing line for the amount it spends on taxis for school children. According to The Telegraph, it spent £15 million on cabs last year. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Swansea beat Bradford 5-0 in the League Cup final at Wembley. Bradford manager Phil Parkinson says his team have to be proud of what they've achieved in the competition. I don't want to take anything away from our boys' achievement to get this final. And just said to them there, obviously, they are a little bit heads down, which you'd, which you'd imagine, because we wanted to do better for, for our supporters. But just said to them, the achievement against this final has been absolutely outstanding. In the Premier League, the champions Manchester City have reduced Manchester United's lead at the top to 12 points. They were 2-0 winners at home to Chelsea with goals from Yaya Toure and Carlos Tevez. The Newcastle manager Alan Pardews encouraged his players to target a top 10 finish in the Premier League after their victory at St James's Park over Southampton. Newcastle fought back from a goal down to win 4-2 and moved six points clear of the relegation zone. The Hornets moved into second place at the weekend after their win uh, over Derby. Hornets boss Gianfranco Zola set his sights on the playoffs. I think we need to keep uh, performing and winning games uh, obviously that is the most important thing uh, and then we see obviously that, that is, that's the part that we can do whether it's enough or not we don't know it depends also with the others but uh, it's very encouraging today I have no idea what's going on in the background there. MK Dons are 13 points off the League One playoffs after their draw at Carlisle. And in League One, Stevenage lost again and now 15th in the table. Gary Smith's determined to keep his cool for tomorrow's game against Scunthorpe. It will be a big game for them. They're back at home. And if we play anything like we have today, you know, we stand a very good chance of getting something out of the game. And I think that's the key now. Everybody staying focused and keeping some consistency. Finally, Luton Town still haven't announced their new manager. The Hatters lost 3-2 to Mansfield on Saturday. And that's your latest news in sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Right, first off, what on earth was it? Either that man was being interviewed while a really violent murder was taking place <laughs> was or, or, or David Cassidy from 1974 had just appeared. <laughs> what, what was going on? I don't know. I'm going to have to ask the sports boys what was going on there. And is there really a football player called Tarara Bumdier? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Toure. <laughs> yeah, that's not a man's name, is it? <laughs> well, he thinks so. <laughs> so does his mother. If I have another son, I'm going to call it Tarara <laughs> Bumdier after him. Thank you very much, Catherine. He's good looking. Oh, that's my mum. Hang on a second. Oh, God, stop. stop. For goodness sakes, woman. Go away. Hang on. There we go. This is it. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties right. Radio. Onwards and upwards. Yeah, 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 too, Ray. Wonderful name. What a wonderful name. Now, listen, I need a favour. I know it's cold. Put on your dressing gown or your coat. Pop outside. Have a look at your garden. If you see a molehill, ring me straight away. 08459 455 555, okay? The second story on the show this morning was going to be molehills. And half of us in the office went, oh, come on, that's not a story. Moles? Really? And the other half went, oh, no. Oh, molehills are everywhere. They're wrecking our, our gardens. So, d- d- which way do we go with this? Molehills, is it a big story? 08459 455 555. We need your advice on this. Now, Oscars. It was the Oscars last night. There was, there were, uh, was a Bond tribute, a stunning performance from Adele, and Oscar history was made by Daniel Day-Lewis. He became the first man to win three acting Oscars. We can talk now to David Willis, who is in uh, Los Angeles. David, who were the big winners on the night? Big winners on the night, Ian. I'm glad you asked me that. Daniel Day-Lewis, you mentioned. Um, Ung Lee, uh, Best Director for Life of Pi. Anne Hathaway, Best Supporting Actress for Les Miserables. Christopher Waltz, that was the, probably the only surprise, really, of the night, uh, got Best Supporting Actor for his uh, role in Django Unchained. Jennifer Lawrence, Best uh, Actress uh, in uh, for her role in Silver Linings Playbook. And um, Argo, of course, was named Best Film. Who'd have thought it? Uh, uh, the story of... Um, uh, a bunch of Hollywood producers coming to the aid of the CIA. Who would have thought that that would have uh, um, uh, pleased the Hollywood voters, but uh, it did. Um, well, David, Argo won the best picture, but according to the Academy, it wasn't particularly well directed. How did that work out? That's a very... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right, Ian. Um, it's very strange that um, the, the, the um, film that wins uh, the big award of the night doesn't earn um, a nomination, at least, for the man who directed it. Um, that is unprecedented, as far as I'm aware. And it happened with this film, Argo. Um, now, um, I, I don't know. I have no idea. But um, I, all I can say is that Argo... Uh, was not the favourite perhaps a month ago, but it sort of come from behind, as it were, um, to Pip Lincoln at the Post, I think. Um, it's won a lot of sort of plaudits in recent um, uh, in recent weeks. And um, it's although it really pays scant attention to the truth, um, uh, as far as the whole story of the rescue of the hostages is concerned, it is a real potboiler of a thriller. Um, it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat throughout. And I think that's what um, swayed a lot of people uh, and um, led to it earning the big award of the night for best film. Daniel Day-Lewis, third Oscar for him, which is an incredible achievement, and was it the first for a Spielberg film? Um, this is the first, well, I tell you what, it's the third such award that he has received. That makes him, um, uh, you know, earns him a place in history. Um, there are six other actors who have earned three or more Oscars, but they've never, um, uh, won them in the same 
category and that uh, level of category, uh, as it were. Um, and he, um, of course, paid tribute to his wife and he paid tribute to, to his mother very tearfully. Uh, that was after joking, however, that um, there had been plans to swap with Meryl Streep, um, from whom he received his award, and for her to play the part of Lincoln and him to play the part of Margaret Thatcher, which went down rather well. She you showed him uh, as a man who's um, capable of, um, you know, taking the mickey out of himself a bit. But, um, uh, yeah, it was a very good night for Daniel Day-Lewis. And I think after his performances in My Left Foot and There Will Be Blood, which um, both of which uh, Demoscus in the past, there's a feeling here that, um, that he is a very, very talented man. And Adele won a Best Song Award for her reworking of Diamonds Are Forever. Sorry, I mean for Skyfall. She did. <laughs> yes. She sang it tonight, actually, as part of a, a tribute uh, to the 50th anniversary of uh, the 007 franchise, which, um, um, and she took to the stage just after um, dear old uh, Dame uh, Shirley Bassey had sung a Goldfinger with, I might add, great vigour, uh, Ian, for um, somebody of her age. Sp- still belting it out um and then after that um, performance adele was back on stage to accept the oscar for best song um 24 years of age uh, all proved a little overwhelming she had to cut short her acceptance speech when um, emotions got the better of her but who can blame her and what an incredible achievement it's been david thank you very much david willis uh, live in los angeles um uh, we're going to play the adele song now it's a cracking song but listen to it it does sound very... It's, it's a slowed-down Diamonds Are Forever, isn't it? Have a little listen and let me know what you think. But well done. 24, winning an Oscar, and she's dead common. Good good, good for her. <laughs> Cheers. This is the end Hold your breath and count to ten Feel the earth move then hear my heart burst again for this is the end I've drowned and dreamt this moment so
as Adele with her reworking of Diamonds Are Forever. Now, Molehill Hotline, okay? If you have molehills in your back garden, can you give us a call? Because I don't, I don't think this is a story, necessarily. Half the team agree with me, half the team disagree. Oh, no moles. Oh, moles. So 08459 455 555. Moles, are they big news? Okay. Apparently, mole catchers across beds, hearts and bucks say they are being inundated with calls. I don't know if I believe them. If you've got them in your garden, how do you get rid of them? 08459. Four double five, five double five. Well, our reporter and self-confessed mole lover, not literally, Serena Farrow, went to try out one of the fail-proof methods with Bedfordshire mole catcher Phil Crossley. You can have a go if you want. So you feel it? That's quite tender. It's soggy, I suppose. Oh, you can feel as it goes in, and you see how quickly it moved down. Then you just push down on that. Oh, yeah. You feel it give? Yeah. Oh, you found this tunnel. You found this passageway to his larder. We're getting down on the ground now, on our knees. Big old clump of soil. We need to be a bit wider. Is a mole going to come flying out at me now? No. <laughs> no. no, but if you look down there, you can oh, see... Oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. So that's where he's travelling from. So basically, you expose his run like that. Get the trap, put the trap in, cover it back up, and then wait, come back in 24 hours, and you'll know if you caught him or not. There's his home. There's his stairway or his passage, and his kitchen's over there. His bedroom, under that oak tree. And he's come out to the fence line, and he's travelled down the fence line, and then he's branching off to feed into this field. Yeah, that's the bedroom. That's the rest of the house. Big house, mansion. Because it's been so wet, all the worms are starting to come to the surface so they can still breathe, because otherwise they'll drown, so the mole's just following his food. The wetter it is, the more they'll come up. Obviously in the summer, when it gets too hot for them and they start drying out, then they'll go deeper and the moles will follow them down as well. So it works both ways. I mean, the worms have got to breathe, and they can't survive in waterlogged soil. Explain how we use one of these contraptions. It's it's a bit bigger than a mousetrap. Yeah, this is a duffer's trap. It's a tunnel trap. And basically it's placed in the mole's run. When he comes into the trap, deal trip it. It's about the size of a chocolate bar, isn't it, really? Twice the size of a mouse trap, though. Yeah. It's not a particularly long job, is it? They're just setting the trap there, five minutes tops. The thing is finding his run. That's what takes the time. Once you've found his run, put the trap in, five minutes. Most mole trappers, professional mole trappers, work on a no-mole, no-feed basis. So unless they catch your mole and show it to you... You don't pay. So have you found some days you've come back with um, no bread and no butter? (laughs) There's been the old day, yeah. And what recommendation would you give to homeowners? I mean, would you say come and call yourself or can they do a DIY job? They can try, but as the man who taught me said, to catch a mole you need to think like a mole. And how do moles think? They'll be following their food. They want a nice dry bed to sleep in. They want somewhere where they can feed. So if you know where to look, you'll find him. And what methods have you seen people use before? I mean, is it sensible to use a mousetrap? Do people shoot them? Use the sonic vibrators, I believe? Yeah, people use children's windmills, empty bottles buried in the ground, mole smokes. None of them work. Even these sonic vibrators you can find in the shops? Yeah, because a mole will get used to it. Moles sense their food by vibration, so if you put something like a child's windmill in... It will feel the vibration of that and he may well associate it with food. It may encourage him to hang around a bit longer. Same with sonic vibrations, nothing really works. The only thing that will work is trapping him. What's the most weird 
contraption at someone's house. I have heard of people pouring diesel down mole holes and things like this to try and scare him off. Oh, so I suppose they put different types of washing up liquid or something. Exactly, just to try and scare him off. But all it will do is dig more tunnels. And this is going to carry on until what, about May? Well, the breeding season will start depending on the temperature, sort of March, April time, and then you'll probably see a lot more. That's when it really gets quite hectic. Well, that was the most innuendo-laden package I've ever heard... I've, I've ever heard in my life. It, I do apologise. Very high frequency filth there. So is that a story or not? Are moles swamping beds, hearts and bucks? 08459 455 555. Have you got moles in your back garden? How do you get rid of them? 08459 455 555. 646. Travel News Now with Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, starting to look busy on the motorways now, heading south on the M1. One lane is closed and there's very slow traffic following an accident between Junction 12 at Flittick and 11 at Dunstable. And also delays between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne as well. Now, anti-clockwise on the M25, slow between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also again between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And southbound on the Barnet Bypass, queuing where you'd expect between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Everything else not looking too bad at all at the moment. Trains uh, are coping well on the departure boards. There's more in 15 minutes. Thank you, Sophie. 6.46. These are your headlines this morning on Monday the 25th of February. The Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, has denied accusations that he covered up allegations of inappropriate behaviour against a senior party figure. The Spanish firm, which operates London Luton Airport, is considering pulling out of aviation altogether. In sport, Man City beat Chelsea 2-0 in the Premier League to reduce Man United's lead at the top of the table to just 12 points. Coming up, in this time of internet, Kindles and the like, it's no wonder that libraries have seen a fall in visitors. But one library in Bucks is working hard to combat that. We'll find out exactly what they're doing before seven. But first, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's certainly another cold start to the new working week. Most of us, though, surprisingly, are hovering above freezing temperature-wise. So for most of us, frost-free. I say most of us because out near High Wycombe, temperature is actually around zero. So we could get one or two pockets of frost out there. There is a lot of cloud around today, I'm afraid. And really, it's going to stick with us all through the week. Now, the cloud thick enough to produce the odd spot of light rain or drizzle, particularly towards High ground the Chilterns for example may get a splash or two but for most of us a dry day a breezy northeasterly I'm afraid so feeling cold and temperatures not up to average for the time of year six celsius the maximum today 43 degrees in Fahrenheit so a couple of degrees below average but a couple of degrees up from the weekend so it may feel a little bit warmer if I can say that but in that wind it's really not going to feel too pleasant at all overnight tonight rather cloudy should remain dry again one or two spots of light rain and drizzle but temperatures above freezing two celsius the minimum that's 36 degrees in fahrenheit and through the rest of the week it stays cloudy it's a bit groundhog day uh, to be honest there's lots of cloud continues day after day after day but at least it's quite quiet that's your forecast <laughs> thank you very much kate at least it's quite quiet 
tackling your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has just been taken off. You don't owe a penny. Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough. You've fought it and you've won it. Well, you won it for me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Five o'clock and a fire escape symphony. Spilling out across the road and the square. And the sky's the same as your own.
she can't. Narina Palo. I like Narina Palo. She was big, like about seven years ago. She had the album and it was good. It was brilliant. It was so good. She, I think she re-recorded it, didn't she? She did it once. I think so. I think she re-recorded it with strings and things. Uh, but then she disappeared. Hey, Justin Dealey, you know music. What on earth yes. happened to Narina Palo? Uh, I've got no idea. No idea at all. Oh, Sorry. That's uh, Okay, well, well, thanks very much. That was Justin Dealey there. Now, oh no, hang on. We're, we're talking to you next, aren't we, Justin? I knew there was a yes, reason yes. you were loitering around. Uh, loitering, on, yes. Loitering. Now, I'm, I'm setting a, a, a challenge, dear mm. listener. Uh, do you choose to accept? I want to find, or we want to find, don't we, Justin, the longest commute to work. Absolutely. There's a survey out today that says the average annual mileage of people who drive to work is the equivalent of travelling to New York and back. Absolutely. Well, Justin, whereabouts are you, and how are you researching this, please? Well, I'm in Lucerne, and um, the average commuter will travel 7,130 miles a year. Now, I'll tell you what's fascinating about this report. It says here, only 15% of people commuting enjoyed their commute to work. Well, who are these 15%? Who actually enjoys their commute to work? <coughs> Can I tell you, yeah. I do. You do? Really? I do, yeah, because I've got two young kids. I get to sit in the car for 50 minutes there, 50 minutes back. I get to listen to CDs. I get to listen to a bit of the radio. I get, I get peace and quiet. It's your time. Bit it, of me time bit, for A bit you. of daddy time. Yeah, a little absolutely. bit of daddy time. I mean, I, I travel from Luton uh, to Hemel every single day, so it's nothing for me. I'm in Luton this morning. I've been talking to commuters about how far they travel to work every single day, and this is what they've had to say. Alan, it's Monday morning. Uh, you're heading off very, very soon. Tell us where you're travelling to today. Uh, to Beaconsfield. How uh, many miles is that? 33 miles. And on average, how long will that take you to get there on a good day? About 50 minutes. On a bad day? Uh, hour and a half. Really? That long? Yeah, easy. That's why you have to leave so early. Yep. The commuting, that, that is quite a long way. At the end of the week, do you get really frustrated that you're commuting such a long way? It can be a bit of a drain, but I can't, you kind of get used to it. And I suppose as far as you're concerned, you've got to travel where the work is. If that's where the work is, you've simply got to do it. Absolutely, yeah. Now, James, in a year, how many miles would you say you do commuting? Nearly 40,000, roughly. Nearly 40,000 a year? Yeah. Most of my work is past London, down in Guildford and mm. uh, Essex. And, but today I'm off down to Somerset. And what do you do for a living? I'm a glazier. A glazier. So it's Somerset today. What's the longest journey you've had this year? This year it will be today. It'll be today, will yes, it? Yes, yeah. And 40,000 miles a year, you must be exhausted, because that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, the van takes a bit of a beating, I'm afraid, yeah. yeah. And what van have you got? Tell us briefly what van just you've got. Just a little Citroen Berlingo. Yeah. Yeah. Any comforts in there to, to keep you going? No, just the radio, I'm afraid. <laughs> just the radio. Yeah. Make sure it's us. Thank you so much. Cheers, thank you very much. How many miles do you do every single year commuting to and from work? About uh, 20, 25,000 miles. That's a lot, year. isn't it? It is, it's a job. Yeah. So this week, where are you going? Is it the same every day or is it somewhere different? No, this, this week will be Greenford, Luton, Greenford, Amersham, Greenford, Tring, mostly. Then next week it will be Greenford, Birmingham and back again. I can see that frustration in your face already. <laughs> That's OK. <laughs> well, Mark, you're a builder, so you must clock up the miles. How many miles would you do a day? Probably about 140, 150 miles a day. So where are you heading off to today? Uh, Hammersmith in London. So if you don't leave it this time, I presume you just simply won't make it on time. You get stuck in the traffic. Yeah, we're a bit late as it is, so, yeah. I'll let you crack on. Cheers, mate. See ya. Uh, but I'll be honest, Justin. Mm. Uh, two things spring to mind there. First of all, can people stop calling it Beaconsfield? Yeah. It's Beaconsfield. <laughs> Beaconsfield right? Let's just get yeah, that right. Yeah. Beaconsfield. It's the second time I've heard that on this show. There, yep, yeah, yep. well, you should learn to, uh, to blooming well, uh, well say it. I'll give him a call. And I, I, I do love... 
I do love the drive. It's it's the only time I get to listen to CDs. Yeah, you see, your commute's not that long, though. That man there, what, 40,000 miles a year? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's uh, a little bit incredible. longer. That's incredible. When the average is 7,000. So we've got up to 40,000 so far. I think what we're looking to do in the next hour, either me here at a petrol station or on the phones this morning, can we crack the 50,000 barrier? Wowzers. Somebody who is travelling 50,000 miles plus a year simply commuting to work. Ian, can we do it? I'm sure we can. Oh. I'm sure we can. 08459 455 555. Philip in Whitchurch has texted in. He says, my commute is two to two and a half hours each way from Whitchurch to London Bridge, depending on bus on time, depending on the bus on time. However, we may be moving to Gloucester. Oh, it's nice in Gloucester last week. It's nice in Gloucester, which will mean three hours each way. How can you do that? Six hours a day. I don't see it as a waste of time, says Philip, as I get through a book a day. That's... I mean, that's fair enough, I suppose. But six hours a day, when I worked in London and I was on the trains every single day uh, that was frustrating but i do feel for these people who've got to travel two two and a half three hours to work every single day but uh, as the man mentioned that piece there you've got to go where the work is sometimes and especially right now in the current climate if you've got to travel you simply got to do it you've got no choice just very quickly i'm going to play this is a clip of my mum describing a film yeah see if you can guess what it is here we go this bloke is in prison and he's due to go to electric chair which when you see is not nice. It's not nice no. <laughs> anyway, they shave all patch on the head. So you think, ah, oh, the men go to be electrocuted until yeah. they're dead. Yeah, that's what they do. And is that it? Yeah. That's all that happens here. Yeah. Just any ideas? Uh, is it got something to do with a serial killer? Is it an American film, something to do with a serial killer? It's an American uh, film. I don't know yep. if it's to do with a serial killer. Okay, an, an American film. Um, da, 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 um, g- g- give me five minutes if you don't mind. An American film, serial killer. Well, I've got, I've got to do to the show, Justin. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll come back to you later on. Dear me. Thank you, Justin. Excellent stuff. If you know, give us a call. But let's get the travel news now with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking much the same out there at the moment. Starting heading south on the M1, it is slow following the earlier accident between 12 at Flittick and 11 at Dunstable. Also slow again around Junction 9 at Redbourne. And delays anti-clockwise on the M25 between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also slow between 21 at the M1 and 19 at Watford. Barnet Bypass also slow. Uh, Wade expect between Stirling Corner and Watford Bypass. Everything else though, not too bad. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. If you know what film my mum's talking about, 08459 455 555. Coming up in the next hour, more on Hearts County Council spending £77,000 a day on sending kids to school in taxis. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Nick Clegg denies cover-up, London Luton operators considered sell-off and Hertfordshire spending in the spotlights. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Liberal Democrat leader Nick Clegg has said he was aware five years ago of indirect concerns about alleged inappropriate behaviour towards women by the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard. But Mr Clegg strongly rejected suggestions that his office was involved in a cover-up. The allegations, which are now being investigated by the party, are strongly denied by Lord Renard. Here's our political correspondent. Ian Watson. Last night, Mr Clegg admitted that he'd heard non-specific concerns about the conduct of the party's then Chief Executive, Lord Renard, in 2008. His Chief of Staff and now Cabinet colleague, Danny Alexander, had raised those concerns with Lord Renard, but then, as now, he denied any wrongdoing. 
No investigation by Nick Clegg's office had been undertaken, and those close to him stressed that without hearing specific allegations, he was limited in what he could do. His critics say he should have pursued the matter more robustly at the time, and Labour are calling for an independent inquiry. The Spanish firm, which operates London Luton Airport on behalf of the Borough Council, is considering pulling out of aviation altogether. Barcelona-based Abertis owns Belfast International and Cardiff Airport and has already put them up for sale. The firm made almost £500 million in profit in 2011 but has seen passenger numbers drop as a result of the economic downturn. The horsemeat scandal will be the focus of discussions when European agriculture ministers meet in Brussels later. Attempts are still being made to find out how horsemeat got into beef products and who was responsible. Hertfordshire County Council's in the firing line for the amount it spends on taxis for school children. Figures obtained by The Telegraph suggest Hertfordshire is one of the country's biggest spenders on school cabs, having paid out over £15 million in the 2011-2012 to school year. Matthew Sinclair is from the Taxpayers' Alliance. The suggestion is that a lot of it because students in remote areas, students who don't get into the schools um, that are near Mm -hmm. them, uh, are having to have this kind of Mm. uh, provision made. And given that Hertfordshire is hardly, uh, you know, the most most remote place, the idea that they can't get the bus routes right such that it is uh, possible for for more students to get the bus to keep this kind of bill down, I think is quite surprising. A survey suggests that almost 90% of people in England and Wales have no idea who their local police and crime commissioner is. The Electoral Reform Society says it shows the Home Office's flagship policy is failing to reconnect police with the public. Pest controllers say the weather has led to a marked increase in mole-related call-outs across beds, hearts and bucks. Phil Crossley says he's already trapped hundreds in Bedfordshire this year. Because it's been so wet, all the worms are starting to come to the surface so they can still breathe because otherwise they'll drown, so the mole's just following his food. The wetter it is, the more they'll come up. The weather, cloudy with light rain or drizzle, good weather for moles and a top temperature of 6 degrees Celsius that's 43 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. We put it out to the listener, uh, Catherine whether moles was a story or not. We've not been inundated with telephone calls saying, yes, hey, well done you guys for breaking that mole news. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're saying what we're all thinking and no one else has got the guts to say. Well, I'm staggered. I'm going to suggest, I'm going to put it out there for this hour. Uh, and, and if we don't get the response, I would suggest after nine o'clock, we can quietly let, uh, or eight o'clock, we can quietly let that one disappear. Oh, really? I was going to do a whole bulletin of mole news. <laughs> Three minutes. Do you reckon you could do I'm that? Not. Oh, you know. Oh, Probably. Catherine Boyle. <laughs> She's teased us. That would be good. If she's up for it, she's up for the challenge. Before eight o'clock, can you do us a three-minute bulletin on Mole News, please, Catherine? Thank you. I know you've got nothing else to do between now and the next bulletin. That's your challenge, Catherine Boyle. I want three minutes of Mole News. If anyone can do it, she can. Google, isn't it? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up, including... Nick Clegg says there was no cover-up over allegations of sexually inappropriate behaviour by the party's former chief exec, Lord Renard. Well, next I'll talk to former Lib Dem MP, Lembert Opic. We're also talking school taxis this morning. Do you send your kids to school in a taxi? How decadent. Well, it costs Hertfordshire County Council £77,000 a day last year. And in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, we're looking for the longest commute to work. The average annual mileage of a car driving commuters is uh, of car driving commuters is the equivalent of travelling to New York and back. How many miles do you do a year or a day? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can also go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. 
or you can send us a text. Put your name on it, please, otherwise it don't get read out. 81333, start your text, 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm serious, Kath. You can get us three minutes of mole news. You let me know and we'll go straight to the mole hotline and find out exactly what's happening in the world of moles. Now, the Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, has said he was aware five years ago of, quote, indirect concerns, unquote, about alleged inappropriate behaviour towards women by the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard. Mr Clegg has strongly rejected suggestions that his office was involved in a cover-up. The allegations, which are now being investigated by the party, are strongly denied by Lord Renard. Or former Lib Dem, uh, Lib Dem MP, Lembit Opic, joins me now. Morning, Lembit. Good morning, sir. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you very much. How damaging is this to the Lib Dems? I don't want to particularly dwell on, on, on what Lord Renard may or may not have done. He, he denies it, and obviously there's investigations going on. I'm more concerned about Nick Clegg possibly being aware of something five years ago. Yeah, you're right. To separate the two things, the, the Lord Renard thing has got its own inquiry. We'll hear about that in three months. The problem and the difficulty is the bit, as you rightly infer, about Nick Clegg's own actions, what he knew, and specifically what we've had in the last week. It is damaging when, at the beginning of this particular story, uh, Clegg or his team say, Clegg knew nothing about it right up to last night. And then, in an extraordinary statement, he says, well, I did know something about it, some general thing. But this is the point, Ian. He said that he knew enough about it for his own chief of staff, and the person he's probably closest to, that's Danny Alexander, to be dispatched to give a warning to Chris Renard about it. Now, you can't have it both ways. And in a typically Nick Clegg kind of way, we've now seen the story generated by Nick Clegg and his team himself. And that is damaging, and it is a point that's own goal. How does it work in the world of politics? Because the, the initial statement was, uh, I didn't know anything about it until Channel 4 kind of phoned me up a few hours before this show went out, or the day before it went out. Who would have made that statement? Would Clegg have made that? Would someone lower down the chain have made it? Oh, two possibilities. Either Clegg instructed that to be the line, which I think is probable, or alternatively, and less likely, um, his senior trusted uh, team decided to, to exclude Clegg from the story at the beginning. But the difficulty is, either way, Clegg's responsible for this, because he's got to carry the can for what his office does. Uh, well, when I was an MP, even if my office made an error, I had to take the responsibility. But, but the big problem is, it was a completely avoidable problem. If Clegg had said from the start, or his team had said, yeah, we did know about it, uh, the leader did take some action and was satisfied at the time, uh, but with subsequent information, and I'll take another look. It would have been a ripple in the press, but it wouldn't have been front-page news on Sunday, and as your commuting uh, listeners will find out this morning as well. So, so the story's been generated by a contradiction, and the press love contradictions as much as politicians hate them. It's going to be a difficult period for, for, uh, for Nick Clegg in, in terms of leadership, isn't it? I think so. I've already said, as you probably remember, I've said that I think Nick Clegg shouldn't be leader and deputy prime minister. I don't think anyone could do both of those roles because without that sort of focus, uh, that you give 100% to one job, these are the sort of things that go wrong. Um, I'm not the only person who thinks that Nick probably ought not to be party leader and actually this is almost an exclusive to say this on three counties but but i think it's a typical example of the kind of uh, blunders that we've seen from the leader's office and in a by-election week down in eastley the last thing we needed was this kind of 180 degree u-turn where uh, it said clegg knew nothing and then he knew something giving people a field day now you said the phrase cover up before i'm not sure 
there's a conscious cover-up here, but there certainly has been a mixed message. And as I say, that's the last thing we can afford when we're at about 10% in the polls to begin with. You mentioned the Eastley by-election. Very rarely have I done uh, such a, a subject where we have to tread so carefully for so many different reasons. <laughs> of course, there are laws and things that, that, that yeah. imperder and things like that. It, will this have an impact, do you think, on, on the, the by-election? I'm sure it will. Uh, it's hard to know how much impact. Uh, the, the, the dense, uh, in the same spirit of, of, of caution, uh, factually, there seemed to be polls at the weekend which suggested that, by and large, the Lib Dems were in the lead, though at least one poll did give the Tories an advantage. So, in that sense, it's could be neck and neck. One thing's for sure, this kind of uh, real confusion does not help the Lib Dem case. And the reason I'm annoyed about it is because I feel like, think, Nick, why couldn't you just be consistent from the beginning? And if you can't be consistent, then just recognise you're piling on pressure on your own leadership. And I'm not the only person who says it privately. I might be one of the few who has the courage to say it publicly. But my, my, mark my words, there are others who can probably speak up as well. OK, for, for legal reasons, I have to do two things here. Lord Reynard, of course, is strongly denying the allegations yep. and says right. he's completely innocent and there i believe i think are 15 maybe 16 candidates standing right. in the easley by election they're all available online to go and have a look at you talk about nick clegg standing down from party leadership would you would you be up for it lembit <laughs> i'd love to if called upon to serve the country in that way i wouldn't say no uh, the only thing is i'd have to get to be an mp first and have a campaign team i suspect that what would actually happen is uh, if nick clegg stood down there'd be a kind of a, a courteous caretaker leaders, probably Nick, uh, Vince Cable, I'd imagine, he'd stand in and then we'd have a proper uh, leadership campaign immediately after the next election. But uh, but uh, in the short term, Nick's got to try and shore up his position, because every time he does this, uh, he increases the number of people, including some MPs, I think, who privately say, we really can't have this sort of business going on. The leader's there to lead. He's got to carry the cam when things go wrong, and they have to, during the weekend for needless reasons. Now, obviously you're doing lots of bits and pieces and things like that. Have you given up on politics, Len, but are you hoping to go back as an MP one day? Uh, uh, no one on my favourite subject, which is me. Yes. <laughs> I don't tell you what I'm doing. Uh, I'm, actually, I, I'm actually more of a political commentator at the minute. I loved being an MP. I'd think about going back. Um, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of writing and uh, doing quite a lot of newspaper articles and so forth. You just can't kind of drop something which is more of a passion rather than simply just a vocation. Um, but uh, the party's in a very difficult place at the moment. We're not going to win hundreds of seats at the next election. We're going to lose seats. Uh, maybe I'll go into local government in the, in the short term. Uh, you, but, you know, like serving people in politics is a good way to do it, but not the only way. To you're not just, well, you talk about serving people. You're not just, of course, um, a political commentator. I believe that you uh, are also a, a rock band manager. Is yeah. that correct? <laughs> That's right, yes. Actually, uh, a few, uh, my last few bands, Electric Flowers, who hail from, uh, from Luton, which isn't far away from where you are. It's, it's here. Fantastic acts, uh, yeah, absolutely, they're really good. And fantastic acts such as uh, uh, such as uh, Rosie Chaos, who's an up and coming uh, and very promising person, and Nikki Murray, who's just finished producing an album up in uh, in uh, Los Angeles. And you'll see more about his music coming up as well. And uh, so, yeah, I'm involved in that. That's a strange old business, as you know. Yeah. And it's, it's an unpredictable business. But then so is politics. So perhaps I just like high risk. Let me, listen, it's, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I, I, I do enjoy our chats. Before you go, we're doing a new feature today called What on Earth is Ian's Mum Thinking Of? This is a clip of my mum, Lembit. She's describing a film. She's, yeah. I, I warn you now, she's bonkers. Have a listen to this and see if you can guess what film my mum's talking about. This bloke is in prison and he's due to go to literature, which when you see is not nice. Anyway, they shave a bald patch on the head. So you think, oh, 
the men go to be electrocuted until they're dead. And is that it? Yeah. That's all that happens in it? Yeah. Right, according to my mum, Lembit, that's all that happens in this two-hour film. What on earth is she talking about? Yeah, she's talking about the Green Mile. That's you think she's film. talking about the Green Mile, do you? My, my money is on either the Green Mile or the history of moles, but <laughs> the second one's probably not getting too much attention on, on the station at the minute, so my money's on the Green Mile. Let's have Mum, what, what are you thinking of? The film I was thinking... Obviously, green mile. Opic, you're no. I, I think yes. that's. I think that's quite worrying that you're working on the same frequency as my mother's mind. <laughs> I would. I, I would go mind. and get checked out if I were you, <laughs> Lembit. I was with the mind reader last week, so I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you see, you give up that stand-up career immediately. Lembit, always nice to talk to you. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. It's a pleasure, and let's hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. Lembit Opic. Uh, uh, we will not be seeing each other soon, Lembit. That's, that's not... <laughs> oh, I do like him. He's, he's a good sport, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, on, it was the Green Mile my mum was talking about. I know. It, it, there's more that happens than a man gets electrocuted in it. Um, and I, <laughs> well, I can't tell you what else she said. Uh, we're talking about the commutes, the longest commute you do. Uh, Alex from Milton Keynes says, I drive from Milton Keynes to Royston every day, which is an 80-mile round trip. My other half gets the train to Stoke-on-Trent, which is a 200-mile round trip. Wow. I think I'd, yeah, 80 miles a day is doable. Nick in Hitchin, I drive 35 miles to work. I live in Hitchin, work in Waltham Abbey. It should take 45 minutes, but often takes up to two hours each day. I've been for other jobs, but I can't match or beat the package I'm on at the moment. I'm looking at moving nearer to work. My fuel bill to get to work is £260 a month. I can believe that. Oh, I can believe that. 08459 455 555. And it's up to you, dear listener. We've been talking about moles this story. I don't, I, I don't think it's a story. Do you? If you think that moles are a nightmare and they're causing havoc in your back garden... 08459 455 555 will carry on the mole theme. If you don't, let me know and we'll stop it. You're, you are producing the show today, probably better than the person who's actually being paid to do it. Travel news, Sophie Tyler, yeah! Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting off on the motorway southbound on the M1, still looking slow following the earlier accident between Junction 12 at Flittick and 11 at Dunstable. And anti-clockwise on the M25, one lane closed with more delays following an accident between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Now congestion is back to Junction 19 at the uh, Watford exit there. And the Barnet Bypass heading south, also still queuing between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass and southbound on the A1 on the Great North Road, also queuing just between the Black Cat Roundabout and the St Neots Junction. And heading south on the A10 through Chesant. More delays between Turnford and the M25 at Junction 25 at Enfield. It's going to take you around 15 minutes to get through that stretch and also getting reports coming in as well that in Whipstead on Bison Hill there is a broken down lorry which is blocking the road both ways causing quite a lot of delays at the moment. Uh, trains aren't looking too bad at the moment. All seem to be moving fairly nicely out there. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. And Sophie, you got that right as well, didn't you, the Green Mile? I did, as soon as soon as I heard it. I knew exactly but I've not seen it for years. There's more happens in it than just men get electrocuted, isn't there? Well, yeah, but it's quite a quite a pivotal moment. <laughs> she did uh, she, she did describe for me twice the Shawshank Redemption, right? And mm-hmm. then when I went home to kind of tidy up a bit, she was talking about this guy who's got a pet mouse and the prison guards stand on the mouse and... It's the Green Mile again, isn't it? That is Green Mile, yeah. <laughs> So twi- I've got two clips where talking about the Shawshank Redemption. It's the Green Mile. Sophie, thank you very much. Speak to you later on. Oh, bless my mum. 
She's bonkers, but, you know, she'll do. Right, it's 7.16. It's Monday the 25th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, has said he was aware five years ago of indirect concerns about alleged inappropriate behaviour towards women by the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard. The Spanish firm Arbatis, which operates London Luton Airport on behalf of the Borough Council, is considering pulling out of aviation altogether. In sport, in the Premier League, Yaya Toure says Manchester City can still win the title after their 2-0 win at home to Chelsea. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy with light rain or drizzle and a top temperature of 6 degrees. Coming up, we're talking school taxis this morning. Do you send your kids to school in a taxi? If you do, 08459 455 555. I'd love to know why. It cost Hertfordshire County Council £77,000 a day last year. Is that money well spent? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were allowed evacuating something train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. Hertfordshire County Council spent around £77,000 a day on taxis to take children to school last year. £77,000 a day. The figures obtained by The Telegraph showed that 33 local authorities out of 150 spent just under £155 million, with Hertfordshire being one of the highest spenders, with over £15 million in the 2011-2012 to school year. The problem is linked to having to get pupils to and from schools that are too far away from their homes. Well, Ben Barsley is chairman of the Harpenden Parents Group. Morning, Ben. Good morning. What do you th- why do you think a lot of parents send their children to school in taxis? I think uh, some of the children uh, have to go in taxis, potentially because they've been allocated schools that are actually some distance from their, from their homes. So they're not necessarily the choice of school that they would have wanted, but because of the demand for places, Hertfordshire has a lot of very popular schools. Because of the demand for places, there simply isn't a possibility for them to get into their local community school, and therefore they get allocated a place... Uh, some distance away. Why should my council tax pay for them to get cabs, though? Why, why can't they get the bus? Why can't they ride a bike? Why can't their parents drop them off? Well, I think in the, in the case of parents who've been allocated a school which wasn't one of their choices, which is some distance away, then I think it's right that Hertfordshire should uh, pay for that transport. What we would really like to see is that Hertfordshire do proper planning of school places. There's been a big increase in the number of children going to primary school in particular in the last few years. So there's been an increase of about a third in the last five years. And I think, really, I'd feel that Hearts County Council have been slow off the mark in uh, getting adequate places in the schools that are local to where those children live. And as a result, there's been an increase in the number of children, particularly in the last few years, who've been allocated schools that are not one of their preferences. 
Are you surprised, Ben, by how high the figure is in Hertfordshire? £77,000 a day last year. It sounds a high number to me, but I don't know uh, great context about uh, taxi transport, so it's difficult for me to comment particularly on that. Well, it's, uh, a, lo- it's a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of council tax. It's obviously a lot of money, yeah, but uh, as I said... I'd need to understand a little further the context and to understand what the breakdown is before I commented further on that. Uh, is this quick fix, just, just spending money on taxis, do you think, Ben? Uh, it's a fix. Certainly it's a fix for a problem, but it's a problem caused, and the underlying, as I said, the underlying problem here is, I think, a need to really provide places hard to be proactive in providing school places in the areas of town where children live particularly primary school places, but secondary school places as well. So, for example, in my town, Harpenden, uh, there's forecast to be a deficit of an entire secondary school's worth of children in about five, six years' time. And Harps really need to act quickly to put uh, some sort of new school places in, into place to enable, so that there isn't a need for children in Harpenden, for example, and the villages around to go to... Uh, to be sent to schools which are some distance away from where they live. The delays with the Harpenden Free School have, have probably affected that as well, have they? Well, in terms of primary schooling, uh, there was no actual delay in the Harpenden Free School, but the Harpenden Free School is currently in a temporary location, which is in Redbourne, which is outside of Harpenden. So I think any children who are allocated to that this year will find, uh, who live in Harpenden will find themselves probably needing some sort of transport to school. So... They may well need this taxi provision. Ben, thank you very much. Ben Barsley, chairman of the Harpenden Parents Group. Now listen, £77,000 a day was spent last year by Hearts County Council on sending kids to school in taxis. A percentage of that, and I don't know what percentage that is, it would be great to find out, uh, are for children with special needs. I think we could possibly understand that slightly more. But really, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with Ben's um, point that if, if... as a parent, you didn't get your kids on any of the school, your school's preferences and you had to get out of the area, the council should pay for a taxi. I, I don't think I quite get that. It's unfortunate, it's frustrating and disappointing, annoying, even. But when you have a kid, you know that's your responsibility and you've got to pay for things and you've got to do things and you might have to drive them to places and do things and... A kid isn't just like having a handbag or a fashion accessory... Right, it, it's part of your life. I'm leaving work straight after today because my wife's working, and I'm um, I've got to miss a meeting here. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, and go home to look after the kids all day, which is fine, which is absolutely fine. And and work are very accommodating. And it, it, if my children went to a school that was kind of out of the area, I would have to make arrangements myself to take them to that school. I wouldn't expect the council to pay for a cab. It seems a little bit excessive. Am I being harsh there? 08459 455 555. I think it's your responsibility to get your kids to school. And if that means you get up and you drop them off at school an hour, an hour and a half early, we'll do that. You buy them a bike. You pay for them to go on the bus. You do that. Don't you? If your kids go to school in a taxi, could you give me a call and explain to me why? Because I don't quite understand it. 08459 455 555. I think if you're a parent, ultimately it's your responsibility and my council tax shouldn't be paying for your kids to travel in taxis. I don't get taxis very often. I drive or I walk or I get the bus. 
08459 455 555. Well, my uh, new best buddy, Dennis in Dunstable, is on the line talking about lots of things. Morning, Dennis. Good morning. Are we still up? Next week, I believe. Die yeah, Hard. Incidentally, that music yes. from Skyfall, yes. I listened to it last night. It was a dirge. You don't like it? No, he, no, not only that, he came up with grey beard. Sorry? No, I said, no, the, the actor came up after all that with a grey beard. And it must have been the music was making him feel old, I suppose. Uh, who had a grey beard? The old uh, 007. Well, the Craig? Say, it was, it was, uh, it needed a shave, put it that way, and it was grey. Oh, really? Yes. He looked 90. He looked older than I do. Do you not, do you not think he's fit, though? Oh. Oh, yes, later on he was fit, yes, it was very good, but, you know, it wasn't a Shirley Bassey theme, put it that it, way. It, it was, you, you, you missed this kind of Shirley Bassey kind of theatrics Well, and... that's right, a bit of music to start with. Exciting film, don't get me wrong, an exciting film, but he looked too old. Yeah? I could, even when he had a shave, I kept thinking, oh, it's going to go grey again any time now. Hang, have, just have a listen to this, Dennis, have a listen to this, here we go. This isn't doing it for you, Dennis. Not in the least. Not in the least. He was drowning at the time. Oh, dear. It's got passion. It's got drama. Listen to her voice, Dennis. No, I'd rather do... I'd rather go mold hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Adele! Poor Adele! Okay, okay, so we've we've touched on that. You want to touch on pretty much everything this morning. Moles. Yes. Hello? Hello, yes. Yeah, well, we're talking (laughs) about moles. Now, I wanted to know, what does that mole catcher do with the moles? Just... Bury him, kill him. Well, you don't. Well, I, I would imagine. Does a mole does a mole trap not not do the same thing a mouse trap does and, and yeah, snaps their necks? Round them, kills them. Right. But then you see you've got to get rid of the mole. Yeah. So years ago, and this is a long time, 90, in the in the thirty six, in thirty six, around yeah. about thirty six, yeah. I used to go to Scotland once a year. Nineteen thirty six. Sorry. Nineteen thirty six. Yes. Blimey. I was a schoolboy then. Blimey! Does that year did that year actually exist? Yes. Wowzers, okay. Yes, oh yes. Oh. I remember the war and everything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we went, we used to go to Scotland every year, yeah. and we stayed in a cottage where the man was a mole catcher. Yes. And when he caught the moles, he used to skin them, Ooh. fasten them out on a board, and then I said to him, what do you do? And he said, I send them up to London, they make, they make mole skin trousers out of them. Well, when, the, when it's skinned, yeah. I would think the skin was about five inches long, yeah. and possibly three or four inches across. Wow. It was only a little patch, but the, the skin was like velvet. Yeah. It's like velvet. Oh, it's wonderfully very, very smooth. short hair. Yeah. And uh, I did, that's what he used to do. That was his job. How I many moles do you think farmers, it would... I don't know whether the farmers uh, gave him any money. Can you, eat, can you eat mole, Dennis? I wouldn't. No, no. It's like horse meat, you know. No, it's, it's one of the... I've eaten some weird things, believe you me, but yeah. not, not that. Have you ever eaten... We had a lady once who'd eaten um, a donkey sausage. Would you ever consider eating a donkey sausage? If I didn't know... I didn't, yeah, as long as it is, it's sausage and not something else that they've cut off. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's like everything else. Um, my grandfather used to teach me these things. He, to, he yes. saved me two oysters <laughs> to see it. And then he said, he said I was a barbarian because I chewed them and didn't swallow them straight away. Yes. And then he also oh. saved me two sticks of, cel- of um, 
asparagus yes. and accused me of being a barbarian for eating the wrong end. Oh, dear. I ate the flower den thing. I sorry, I saved the flower den. Didn't I? Yeah, you eat the flower den. <laughs> I know I did. I thought, I thought it was like celery. Now, Dennis, listen, are we still going to see Die Hard, A Good Day to Die Harder, next week? Yeah, I've been in my best suit every day for the last four I know. I've, I've been a little bit busy last week. I apologise. I'm going to... We'll no. get in touch with you this week. We'll sort it. It's all, it's all I, on me. I, I know I, I said to you that you'd have to be... You'd have to go to the doctors if you couldn't understand the film. Yes. But that's not true. That's not true. No. Your, your mother sounded as though she knew what she was doing. You she, are not... Dennis... She, she was on the ha- ball with that film. Hands off. Ha- hands off my mother. I'm not going to start calling you dad, all right? No, no, but I must say that your mother had it. She, she was a bit... Uh, Steady. Vague about, but nevertheless, she got the she got the message about the film. Dennis, listen, we, I'd love to talk to you. We are going to go and see Die Hard next week. We'll sort it out this week. We'll get a date. I love the fact that Dennis and Dunstable is describing my mum as a bit vague. <laughs> that's that's Dennis and Dunstable saying that. Right, thank you, Dennis. Good sport as always. Here's the travel with Sophie. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, queuing at the moment following the earlier accident between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Congestion back to Junction 21 at the moment. All lanes have been reopened, but it's going to take you around an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Also busy with more delays heading south as well, between 13 at Bedford and 11 at Dunstable. Half an hour to get through that stretch as well. And heading through Whipsnade, it still looks like we have the broken down lorry in both directions, just around at Bison Hill, causing problems in both directions at the moment. And the Barnet Bypass also still busy heading south at the moment between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And southbound on the A10 through Chesant, also slow between Turnford and Junction 25 at the M25 for uh, Enfield. Everything else not looking too bad, actually. Trains still moving nicely, as are the tubes. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. 7.30. Let's get the latest news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. The Liberal Democrat leader Nick Clegg has said he was aware five years ago of indirect concerns about alleged inappropriate behaviour towards women by the party's former chief executive, Lord Renart. The Spanish firm, Abertis, which operates London Luton Airport on behalf of the Borough Council, is considering pulling out of aviation altogether. And Hertfordshire County Council's in the firing line after figures obtained by The Telegraph suggest it spent £15 million on taxis for school children in the school year from 2011 to 2012. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester City beat Chelsea 2-0 in the Premier League to reduce Manchester United's lead at the top of the table to 12 points. Yaya Toure was one of their goal scorers and he insists the title race isn't over yet. I think in this sport nothing is possible, you know. And for us, like player, like a Manchester City player, it's very important to continue to keep in win because we know last year we've been champion, but this year is very tough for us. The Swansea City manager Michael Laudrup says his side's League Cup final victory is the most important trophy he's ever won. Swansea beat Bradford 5-0 to secure their first major trophy in their 100-year history. In the Championship, Watford moved into second place at the weekend after their win over Derby. Hornets boss Jan Franco Zola says he set his sights on the playoffs. MK Dons are 13 points off the League One playoffs after their draw at Carlisle. Dons boss Carl Robinson remains optimistic about what the rest of the season holds. We've got to keep looking forward. We've got to keep being positive. We've got to keep getting our feet firmly on the ground be realistic where we are I've got to sort of key on to the patch teams together 
um, I've not played the strongest team twice this season or a team twice um, and that's the bit but that's in the past In League One Stevenage lost again and are now 15th in the table and finally Luton Town still haven't announced their new manager the Hatters lost to Mansfield on Saturday caretaker manager Alan Nielsen's hoping for better at Braintree tomorrow night It's a big gap so in, in football you never say never we've got 16 games left we've just got to go and look for get the three points the next game get some confidence in the team get three points on the board then look for the next three points just be really really positive the lads have to believe have to believe that they've got it you know, and a new man could in will hopefully bring that and that's your latest news and sport more from me at eight o'clock the film i was thinking of is a green mug call 08459 oh, 455 in the next half an hour, we'll hear what new ideas libraries are coming up with to get you through their doors. And the Mole Hill hotline is still open. Seen any? Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. I'm probably going to close it in half an hour. As I suspected, it's not been much of a story. If moles are a story for you, though. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. And our handsome reporter, Justin Dealey, is out trying to find the longest commute to work. How far do you drive? facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr 08459 555 or you can send us a text 81333 start your text 3cr and include your name for goodness sakes across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio Hertfordshire County Council spent £15 million, 2011 to 2012, £77,000 a day on taxis for kids to go to school. Money well spent. Peter's in Warmer Green. Morning, Peter. Good morning. What, what's, your, what's your take on this? Well, uh, if you look at the situation in Warmer Green where, where I live, they were going to build a free school here, right? Although we've only got had about 14 people, uh, children of uh, secondary school type age. But if we, when they were talking about it, they were talking about 90% of pupils would walk to school. Now, if you look around the surrounding areas around here, there were no payments whatsoever. From 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 here to Codicott, no payments. There are no payments at all. No payments from from Warmer Green to Dashworth. So, so what is the there? It's got no payments now. You kids along there in the dock. Right. Now this is the situation. What that is on the ground. So I'm not surprised that that sum is. Um, being paid. Is it money well spent, Peter? Absolutely, because it's uh, for safety's sake, really. But what's wrong with kids getting on a bike, riding a bike, putting well, your fluorescence? Would you, would, you want, would you allow your children to, say, go five, ten miles uh, on, on a bicycle no. on, on, a, on a lane? No, I wouldn't. I would, I would, well, I would, get, off, I would get off my backside, Peter, and I would drive them there, or I would well, work out the bus routes. Well, people haven't got cars. Well, work out the bus routes. But there's no bus routes on some. From from Warmer Green to Dashworth, yeah. there's one every two hours. Right. Well, find out what time that bus is and get it. Oh, goodness gracious me. What? And leave your child there uh, uh, maybe outside the school because uh, they obviously don't open the school two hours before. Yeah, I would do I got. I used to get dropped off at school an hour before school started. Tough. Well, I mean, I, I lived in London and we were the sort of same, but... Yeah, tough. D- d- tough. You know, it's, it's, no, it's hard, it's hard luck, we isn't it? tough as well. Yeah, exactly. So if they get to school an hour right. early, then let them get on with it. Do a bit of homework. To, to, uh, take a flask. Have a cup of tea. Do something. 
Well, then, yeah, but some schools don't open that early. Well, then they have to wait outside in the oh, cold. No, I did. Uh, well, I'm afraid you're living in you're living in a world which I don't like. Well, it's, but it's the real it's the world that I grew up in, Peter. I doubt it. Well, you so- sorry. I doubt it. It, it. it happened. Our school life. Our school life. And in an ordinary secondary school, yeah. a, a primary school, our school life was totally different to that. Well, what was your school life, Peter? My my secondary school, where I, I the the people, we had a community. Yeah. Right. The communities now in some areas don't exist. Right. As a community, not at all. Right. What's that got to do with kids going to school, though? Well, that is that's all to do with kids going to school because we knew in some communities where the children were safe. Right. Right, and the, that com- that community, you're not talking about, you're not just talking about leafy Hertfordshire here, you're yeah. talking about some I, towns that's I, 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 grew up, I grew up in Slough, which is rabid. Well, that's right. Exactly. I, and I still, I still have never forget, forgotten yeah. that for the, the whole class cheered at one time for a uh, calamity, really. <laughs> what, what calamity? The I'm towers. Gonna re- I'm going to regret this. Sorry, the what? The towers. The Twin Towers? Yeah. Sorry. A whole class full cheered there. What? <laughs> what? What? The, the, 9-11? Yeah. Who cheered? Look, a whole class from the children. And the teacher spoke up about it. They cheered? They cheered. OK, well, we're going off on a slight tangent, Peter. One which is, is definitely worth um, pursuing, but, but, but not by me at any point. Oh eight four five nine four. I don't know what was going on there. We got a little bit lost. But listen, I used to go. I, I used to. If I got dropped off at school, my mum said, "Do you want a lift or do you want to get the bus?" If I wanted a lift, I had to wait outside the school for for an hour. It's tough. It's tough. You know. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, this morning we are talking about diversifying the use of our local libraries. I love libraries. I'm a huge fan of libraries. If I'd have remembered, I'd have brought in my friend's library song, which is about how good libraries are. Yeah, no, it's good. It's really good. It's called I Love the Library. I love the library books and the library CDs. I even love the children in the OAPs who all share membership with me. I'm a big fan of libraries. The fines are a little bit... Come on, guys, let's sort it back to tuppence a day. But otherwise, they're brilliant. Well, High Wycombe Library has decided to hold a comedy night. I was in High Wycombe yesterday. Uh, in a bid to get a younger crowd through its doors. Our reporter, Sophie Solaria, went down to High Wycombe Library to meet the organiser, AJ Bone. Hi, AJ. I join you at the um, on the first floor of High Wycombe Library, mm-hmm. here in the centre of High Wycombe. Yep. Um, tell me a bit about what's happening next Sunday. OK, um, next Sunday we are doing uh, the comedy night. Um, it's the first time we've ever tried something like this in the library, so it's uh, a bit of an experiment. We've got a couple of local stand-up acts coming down. Simon Clayton and Mary Rourke. Um, both have you know, been on TV, and uh, Simon's played with uh, people like Bill Bailey. It sounds like... It will be funny. Yeah, no, it should be a good laugh. They're really up for it as well. They're really supporting the cause. As we stand here on the first floor, I can't help but notice the mass amount of books, DVDs, games. There's so much going on around here. Mm. I can't imagine where you're going to put 150 to 200 people. Yeah, the plan at the moment is um, we're going to push all the shelves sort of off to one side. We've got all the magazines and the music books, and they're going to sort of shift off towards uh, self-service machines. So gardening's gone. Yeah, all shifted out. What about this health section? Um, health, same direction. We're going to slot it in sort of amongst the uh, the A to Z over there, just so oh. it sort of creates a big space in the middle. How are we going to do this? Are they on wheels? They're all they? on wheels. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they'll all shift out of the way fairly easily. On the floor here, it's w- white and green, the colours of High Wycombe. Yeah. 
I guess this will be the stage. Yeah, the stage will be set up here. We've got about you know 15 sort of meter square boards that we can put up and um, turn the place into a comedy venue for the I night. I get it. So we mentioned there, AJ, we're going to have around 150 to 200 seats. Mm-hmm. How many people have shown interest so far? Um, a lot of people have shown interest. We're still having a bit of problems getting the tickets actually sold, but uh, we're hoping that we'll get over the next couple of weeks we'll get a lot of interest and on the on the night, obviously. So, what gave you the idea of doing a comedy night in the first place? Um, to start with, it was uh, a couple of colleagues of mine who were um, bouncing ideas back and forwards to try and um, change the image of the library. We did a uh, almost like a poll with the general public. Um, you know, what would you like to see in your library? And comedy was one of the things that came back top with sort of things like music and bits and pieces following shortly behind. So, possible ideas for the shelf in the future. I've actually been doing some research myself and you're one of the few libraries that does anything like this in our three counties but do you think this is the future for libraries to get those numbers back in? Yeah I mean you know not necessarily it doesn't suit you know smaller libraries or you know places way out of town but um, I think all libraries have got to try something different to bring in you know the uh, the people who aren't interested in libraries who don't actually come into the libraries on a regular basis and what next if this goes well any more ideas up your sleeve yeah um we've I've been talking to one of my colleagues of mine and we're trying to um organize an amateur film night um Wonderful idea. so uh, that's that's the, the the next plan the next project i think so uh, i can imagine it well. yeah get a big overhead screen yeah we've got the projectors uh, upstairs which uh, are useful and um yeah, try and get people to bring down their own their own uh, movies and uh, go from there, I think. But like I say, work in progress. I think that's a cracking <laughs> idea. I think that, thank you, Sophie, for that. Speaking to AJ Bone there about High Wycombe Library. He me- of course, he meant Marilla Rourke, the comedian, not Mary Rourke. Marilla Rourke is excellent. I've done gigs with her. She's wonderful. It's not just High Wycombe Library who are diversifying as well. Putnam Library in Bedfordshire has opened its door to, get ready, no, not burlesque dancers. Oh, no, knitters. Their Knit and Natter group have been doing more than that. They've been doing a load of work for charity as well. Excellent stuff. To tell us more is Dame Hilary Bloom for, uh, from Knit for Peace. Morning, Dame Hilary Bloom. Morning. Uh, now, what were Knit for Peace doing at Putno Library? Well, we have a scheme where knitters all over the country, and there are over 6,000 of them, can send their output to us, and we give it to people who are in need. It might be children in Afghanistan or people here in community groups or I think the group you mentioned actually knitted for the premature baby unit at Stoke Mandeville. And why, I'm going to say why in a library, I can think of loads of reasons why knitting in a library is a cracking idea actually. Well yeah absolutely, it's a, an open place, everybody, it's usually accessible, people can get there, it's a, quite a quiet thing to do and it's a community resource. What do you see as the future for, for Britain's libraries, Dame Hillary? Because I'm a huge fan of them, and seeing their closure and, and, and less and less people seemingly use them does worry me slightly. No, of course. I mean, it was the library was part of my youth. We used to meet at the Central Library in Manchester. That's where we did our courting. And certainly in the Central Library in Birmingham, you see lots of youngsters getting together, you know, with tentative courting. <laughs> oh, you make, you make what is otherwise quite a seedy activity sound so romantic, Dame Hillary. Well, it's only seedy for a few people. For most people, it is romantic. Sadly, it was seedy for me. <laughs> uh, uh, and what benefits do knitters enjoy? Oh, knitting's enormously good for your health. I know it sounds so funny and old mumsy and stuff, but actually it lowers your blood pressure. It's better for you than relaxing with yoga. It's very good for elderly people because it delays the offset of dementia. And if you knit in groups or if you knit for charity... 
it has a huge advantage because it makes you feel needed it makes you feel part of something it gives you a social life because even if you're housebound and knitting at home you'll find that people come and collect your knitting from you it has such huge benefits i mean it's funny it's there's been a big study at harvard medical school um showing the enormous benefits we should all be knitting and the groups that you talked about it was really good because they had an older volunteer who was teaching young people how to knit and that's a it's a skill for life it only takes two hours really to learn how to knit and it's practice will make you better but you know if you learn as a child it's something you can pick up later on Dame Hilary Bloom, thank you very much indeed, giving us the benefits of knitting, and indeed knitting in libraries. I used to be able to knit when I was younger. I can't do it now. I, I used to be quite good at it. I remember making a scarf for my teddy bear. Uh, what would you do to get more people into libraries? I think having a comedy night is, is a brilliant idea. A little bit of music? I would suggest that libraries get some newer books in. That's me being slightly rude and flippant. 08459 455 555. What would you do to get more people into the libraries? We've not had many calls on our mole hotline. I think I may have to close it soon. Travel news, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, still queuing following the earlier accident between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Congestion back to 21 at the M1 and southbound at the M1 as well. Also slow between Bedford at Junction 13 and 11 at Dunstable. Now in both directions, heading through Whipsnade on Bison Hill, we are getting reports of a broken down lorry causing problems in both directions. And southbound on the Barnet Bypass, also queuing at the moment, just between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus, while the A1 at Great North Road, also queuing as well between the Black Cat roundabout and St Neots Junction southbound on the A10 through Chesant more delays between Turnford and Junction 25 of the M25 at Enfield everything else not looking too bad at the moment actually does appear to be coping fairly well on the whole trains are looking good as well Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio thank you very much Sophie morning it's 7.46 Monday the 25th of February these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio the Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, has said he was aware five years ago of indirect concerns about alleged inappropriate behaviour towards women by the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard. The Spanish firm Arbatis, which operates London Luton Airport on behalf of the Borough Council, is considering pulling out of aviation altogether. In sport, despite a distinguished career with the, playing with the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid, the Swansea manager Michael Ladrup says the League Cup is the most important trophy he's won in football. Yeah. Coming up before 8am, reporter Justin Dealey is out trying to find the longest commute to work. How far do you drive? 08459 455555. Let's get the latest weather now. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's certainly another chilly start to the new working week, but for most places across all three counties, it is hovering just above zero. High Wycombe, however, the exception to the rule, it's hovering around zero at the moment. So we may get one or two pockets of frost, but for most of us, frost-free and rather cloudy, I'm afraid. It's rather bitter northeasterly wind as well, taking the edge off the temperatures. We're looking at a maximum today of just six Celsius, 43 degrees in Fahrenheit, but it will feel a little bit colder than that, although it will feel a little warmer if I can say that than it did at the weekend so a little bit of good news there now we may see one or two spots of light rain and drizzle blow across us through the the course of the day as well 
any of us could see it, but some of us could be completely dry. So there's not. That too is the much va- Kate, Kate. That <laughs> is the vaguest report ever. Look, Come on, I want specifics. Okay, you can't go. We, um, any of us look, could see it, or we might go, not. But if you go out and you don't <laughs> feel it, you're going to be happy. But if you do and you do feel it, and I don't mention it, you'll say, "Oh, well, she got that wrong." Gosh, you've so actually I'm sitting on the fence. You've, you've, you've got really angry. I do apologise, Kate. I'm, I'm wanting <laughs> upwards. Away you go. Sorry angry, about that. Not angry. Not angry. Passionate. Good. One Anything or else? Two spots. Yes, there is actually one or two spots of light rain out there this morning and through the afternoon as well. And I really hope nobody feels it. Overnight tonight, it stays rather cloudy, I'm afraid. Um, but temperatures staying above zero, two Celsius the minimum. That's 36 degrees in Fahrenheit. That's your forecast. Kate Kinsella with a cob on. Thank you very much indeed. I can only apologise. Three counties sports. Join me, Jeff Doyle, and me, Luke Ashmead. Monday nights from six will feature sports such as horse riding. Love horse racing. The passion, the excitement, but actually getting on a horse? No way. I had a serious phobia of horses. I did used to lock myself in cars and I couldn't look if a horse was going past. No. I've overcome it a little bit. I'm nowhere near as bad as I used to be. They are big, muscly beasts, aren't they? Yeah. Can you imagine one of them standing on you? Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks for that. Three Counties Sports. Monday nights from six. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Has that set you back again? Yeah, that's set me back 20 years. Always a cracking listen. I'm not a massive fan of sport, but I enjoy their show. Always good stuff. Now, if you want to give us a call, 08459 455 555. Here's something. A woman from Amersham has become an unlikely leader of a campaign against the government's proposed state pension reforms. As it currently stands, Louise Fox and around 80,000 other women who were born between the 6th of April and the 5th of July, 1953, will lose out on the new £144 a week pension. They argue it's unfair that they've fallen through the cracks in this way. Well, Louise joins me now. Morning, Louise. Hello. So I- explain exactly how you've fallen through this crack and, and what it means to you. Yeah, it's a bit complicated. But, yes. Um, basically, there's a group of women from born between 50 and 55 who were gradually moving up from a retirement of 60 to a retirement of um, 65, so we'd all be the same as men. Mm. The government, um, two years ago decided everybody needed to work a bit longer, like we do, because there are, we're living longer and, you know, there are not so many of us coming along afterwards, so we all need to work a bit longer. And along with all the other people who had their pension age put up, we also had ours put up again, so I had another six months added on to mine, as did lots of other women, and some women had 18 months added on. But we'll all be equal by 2018. So, you know, all's fair, that's great. The problem is the second bit of legislation that the government wanted to introduce, which is the new pension, um, which will be the new single tier one, um, they were originally going to introduce in April 2016, and their plans have slipped, so they're now a year behind. And just this small group of 80,000 of us, who were the only people who had their pension age raised uh, two years ago, will retire just before the new one comes in. And the only reason is because the government's timing has slipped. So the principle that everyone who had to work extra should be eligible for the new pension still applies. It's just that we've fallen through those cracks that you mentioned. So it's, it's, the, it's the government's fault because they fell a little bit behind schedule. When you found that out, what was your reaction? <laughs> I was horrified. I mean, I actually felt physically sick when I realised because... I just thought, well, like everyone else, you've just got to get on with it. We're all going to live longer, and that's great. But, you know, it it is a contract. We all work a bit harder, 
well, a bit longer, and we all benefit from the new pension. But we don't, just this 80,000 of us. But, of course, if it slips any further and it doesn't get introduced in April 2017, it will bring more and more people into that crack that we've fallen through. The campaign has uh, begun to snowball. It's getting quite a bit of attention. Did, did you think it would get this much attention? I didn't. I've been very lucky um, because um, uh, the Daily Mail had a big article. Sorry, the Mail on Sunday had a big article on it yesterday. And um, I had, I think, getting on for 200 emails from people. So I was up till midnight last night replying oh <laughs> to everyone because it's absolutely fantastic. Most women don't realise what's happened. Most women who are in that group had no idea um, that we were currently um, set to lose out. But, of course, we're hoping not to. And, in fact, on Wednesday there's a parliamentary um, select committee meeting and a bunch of us are going to go up there and... Um, we can't protest because... No, you're not allowed <laughs> to protest, yes. No, no, no chaining to the railings or anything. But we are going to listen to hear what people say. And um, we are, you know, we're really campaigning to try and just get this anomaly sorted out so that... Have you spoken to your MP or anyone in the government? Have you got any feedback on, on kind of what their thinking is? Well, the feedback at the moment... Uh, my MP just, um, just sort of sent me acknowledgement and said she'd look into it, but that was weeks ago and I haven't heard back. Um... I've, we've also all um, written to the um, Minister for Pensions and Ian Duncan Smith, who's the Secretary of State. They are sending very um, generic responses. So you ask them a very specific question and they've just got a set of standard paragraphs that they respond which really don't answer it. I think they don't realise that 80,000 people they think well that's not many but it's 80,000 individuals and it's women and women are the people that they're supposed to be um supporting with the new pension you know because it is supposed to help um a lot of women who would have very poor retirement because of child caring and other responsibilities um to give them a bit better pension so i think they've misjudged it more than anything else um, Louise, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you so much for coming on, and we will follow this story uh, with, with a keen interest and find out what happens. 80,000 women being unfairly punished just because the government fell behind schedule a little bit. It doesn't seem fair at all, does it? Louise Fox from Amersham, thank you very much indeed. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll have a cup of tea, please, Ollie. I've got my own tea bags in my coat pocket. Hope nobody noticed that uh, secret coded message I delivered to a member of my staff. <laughs> a member of my staff, yeah, right. Now, how far do you drive to work? I want to find the longest commute to work. There's a survey out today that says the average annual mileage of people who drive to work is the equivalent of travelling to New York and back. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is in Luton this morning. Justin, what's, what's been happening? I'll have a cup of coffee with three sugars, please, Ollie. Secret coded message. It's our secret code, yeah. Justin. I'm hoping no one picks up on this. Yes, keep it to ourselves. Um, yes, yeah, so the average uh, commuter will be travelling 7,130 miles a year, which is quite a lot. I've been in Luton this morning. I've been talking to commuters, Ian, about how far they travel to work, and this is what they've had to say. Well, Angela, here we are in Luton. Tell us about your commute. Where are you going today? I'm going to Heathrow Airport. Heathrow Airport. What do you do there? I'm being very nosy. What do you do for a living? I run an airport lounge. This is why you look so posh if you run an airport lounge. 
I mean, if you're travelling to, to Heathrow five days a week, that's a, a long commute, especially if the M25's playing up. <laughs> Not only the M25, M1, um, M4, so most of them all play up every day. And let's grab a quick word of Paul as well. Paul, you've been having this very conversation in your car with your work colleague a moment ago. Tell us where you're going to today. Where are you travelling to for work? We're going to St Albans, just on the edge of St Albans today. Yeah. But um, we used to work, do so much more work up in London and just can't afford to travel down there now. Mm. It's just so expensive with the price of the jobs dropping and then price of petrol going up and then with the parking as well in central London. All of a sudden, you just can't afford to go out of work. It's, yeah. it's re- absolutely ridiculous. So you're an electrician, so now you're pushing for, for all of your work to be local because you need to keep those profit margins high. Going into London with the fuel prices, it will put you out of business. Yeah, it, it certainly would. We just couldn't afford to go to work. We were doing it, and I ended up having to move from one house to another because my income had got so low with motoring expenses, and then every job, you sort of do one job, and then the next job comes up, and they know, because you've worked from before, they can drop the price a little bit, because yeah. you're relying on that job to go on to the next one. So you're just absolutely, yeah, you're shot either way. Now, Robert, you're a builder, so you really must clock up the miles. How many miles would you say you do every single year, simply commuting to work? Yeah, why is 35,000? 35,000 miles yeah. a year. Yeah. Where are you going to today? Croydon. How frustrated are you at that commute? If you're doing 35,000 and the average is 7,000, how frustrating is that commute for you on a day-to-day basis? Very frustrating. It takes me about three hours. If I leave before 6 o'clock, I'll get there for half seven. If I leave after six o'clock, I won't get there until about nine, half nine. OK, Charles, we're here in Lucent very early. Tell us about your commute. So where are you travelling to today? Uh, Mill Hill. So not too bad for you, then? No, no, it's about 20, 25 miles. Could take me anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour. All depends on the M1, doesn't it? Well, there we go, Justin. Lots of people travelling lots of miles, aren't they? Absolutely. I spoke to one man as well who sadly didn't have time. He was travelling to Preston. He does that twice a week. We spoke to Andy earlier on. He does 40,000 miles a year. But again, people have simply got to travel because that's where the work is. The average being 7,000, that's quite a lot anyway. But when you're going up to 40,000 a year, so many miles to travel simply to pay those bills. I love it. I do love driving. I I, I do love travelling. And also, uh, because I'm doing more driving than I have done, I've been monitoring my petrol usage. Now, get mm. this, okay? My, 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 I, normally, in the past, I was getting about three, in my little Polo, 1.2, yeah. 380, 385 miles on one tank of petrol. Lovely. A couple of weeks ago, I got 407 miles on one tank of petrol. Wow. Last week, 447 miles oh. on one tank of petrol. I, I, I probably could have done more, but I was on the motorway and I needed to stop. I can't take any more. I cannot take any more. That is an incredible stat. Thank you so much. You've made my Monday. Sorry, just sorry, mate. You being sarcastic? No, no, I'm being serious. Deadly serious. Thank you for that. Hmm, I'm not sure. Uh, he sounded sarcastic there. I'll run that through the computer. Here's the travel with Sophie. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking busy out there this morning, anti-clockwise on the M25. It's queuing between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40 with congestion back towards 21 at the M1. And southbound on the M1, also looking at delays between 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flittick. And also, don't forget, heading through Whipsland, we have reports of a broken down lorry at the moment on Bison Hill, causing problems in both directions. And the Barnet Bypass heading south, also queuing between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And the A1 Great North Road through Roxton, also slow between the Black Cat Roundabout and the St Neots Junction. Everything else not actually looking too bad this morning. Seems to be coping fairly well out there. Trains are moving nicely on the local live departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. 
This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next hour of the show, including libraries, what they're doing to attract more people, and I think it could be the death of the mould. The hotline hasn't worked. You're not interested in the slightest. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's eight o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Nick Clegg denies cover-up, London Luton operators consider sell-off and Hertfordshire's spending in the spotlight. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Liberal Democrat leader Nick Clegg has said he was aware five years ago of indirect and non-specific concerns about alleged inappropriate behaviour towards women by the party's former chief executive Lord Renard. The allegations are denied by Lord Renard and Mr Clegg has strongly rejected suggestions that his office was involved in a cover-up. The Liberal Democrats are conducting a disciplinary inquiry into the complaints and there'll also be an independently chaired review into how they were handled in the past. The party's deputy leader is Simon Hughes. I can independently testify that it was not the case that the party at senior level received specific allegations at that time. Certainly none of them came to me, and I'm absolutely clear that it's the right thing now that there should be the proper independent inquiry that looks at these matters and allows everybody to have their say and everybody to be dealt with fairly. The Spanish firm, which operates London Luton Airport on behalf of the Borough Council, is considering pulling out of aviation altogether. Barcelona-based Abertis owns Belfast International and Cardiff Airport and has already put them up for sale. The firm made almost £500 million in profit in 2011, but has seen passenger numbers drop as a result of the economic downturn. The horsemeat scandal will be the focus of discussions when European agriculture ministers meet in Brussels later. Attempts are still being made to find out how horsemeat got into beef products and who was responsible. Some countries are calling for tougher standards on labelling and traceability to ensure it doesn't happen again. Hertfordshire County Council's in the firing line for the amount it spends on taxis for school children. According to figures obtained by The Telegraph, Hertfordshire was one of the biggest spenders in the country on school cabs, having paid out more than £15 million in the 2011-2012 school year, which equates to £77,000 a day. There'll be more on this with Ian Lee coming up next. An opinion poll suggests that almost 90% of people in England and Wales have no idea who their local police and crime commissioner is. The Electoral Reform Society commissioned the poll of 16 100 people. The Home Office said turnout would increase in future elections as people saw the effect the new commissioners were having. Daniel Day-Lewis has become the first man to win the Best Actor Oscar three times. He won for his portrayal of the US President Abraham Lincoln, adopting his usual practice of staying in character both on and off the set. And there were further British successes as Adele won Best Song for her Bond theme Skyfall, Best Picture went to Argo, while Ang Lee was named Best Director for Life of Pi. In sport, Watford manager Gianfranco Zola is targeting automatic promotion in the championship now. The Hornets moved into second place at the weekend after their win over Derby. And the weather, cloudy with light rain or drizzle and a top temperature of 6 degrees Celsius. That's 43 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Is he one of them, uh, Day Lewis? Yeah. Uh, oh, for goodness sake, stays in character on and off the set. Yeah. What? There's a brilliant... I was reading a book about um, Lawrence Olivier, and he's in the film called The Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman, OK? Is that and before D- Snickers? Oh, say? <laughs> Go uh, on. And I'm interested, yeah, Well, this, this is good, OK? <laughs> and there's a scene in it where Dustin Hoffman has to have been awake for, like, three days, and he's all a bit jumpy, and he's a bit tense, and he can't go to sleep, OK, right? Mm-hmm. And so he didn't go to sleep in real life. He, he, he did. And Lawrence Olivia said, why, why on earth didn't you go to sleep? And he says, oh, because I, I, I want to get into character. I don't want to live in character. What would you do, Lawrence? He said, well, we'll do, boy. I would act it. 
And that's all you need to do. It's just acting. You just go in and you do it. It's pretending, isn't it? Good old Larry. Exactly. I hate that staying in character. Oh, just act. It's called acting. You go and do the... You act. You act it. Oh, dear. Right, good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. These are the things we're talking about. Do you send your kids to school in a taxi? What? You don't? They walk or get the bus? Well, it cost Hertfordshire County Council £77,000 a day last year. Lots of you having your comments on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. At 8.15 this morning, I am closing the Mole Hill hotline. None of you have seen any moles ever. 15 minutes to save it. 08459 455 555. And we're looking for the longest commute to work. The average annual mileage of a car driving commuters is the equivalent of travelling to New York and back. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR 81333. Start your text 3CR. Include your name or give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Lib Dem leader, Nick Clegg, is under pressure this morning over how much he knew about allegations that a senior figure in the party had sexually harassed female members of the party. The Deputy Prime Minister has confirmed that he was told four and a half years ago of concerns over the conduct of the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard. Well, Nick Clegg is denying knowing anything. Uh, sorry, is denying knowing about the specific claims and is rejecting accusations of a cover-up. Well, our reporter Gavin Lear is with us this morning. Morning, Gavin. Morning, Ian. Uh, tell us about the details and how damaging this is potentially to the Lib Dems. Well, I, I think the damage potential is that it's growing. I mean, this is a merge from a Channel Four news broadcast last week about claims that um, Lord Chris Renard abused his position as chief executive of the party by inappropriately touching and propositioning women, female members of the party. Since that broadcast, there have been more women uh, coming forward with similar allegations. You look at any of the main papers today, there are uh, more names that are being mentioned, also more names that are being mentioned within the Lib Dems that haven't been made public yet. So that seems to be a, a growing problem with those allegations. And also there's a sort of um, issue about a potential sort of hint or whiff of a cover-up here. At first the Lib Dem said they knew nothing about this. Uh, then Nick Clegg last night got back from a holiday in Spain and said he had a general understanding five years ago about, quote, non-specific allegations. So there's a problem, this impression that's been allowed to grow that Lib Dems knew nothing. Uh, and, and also the timing for the Lib Dems. You know, there's a by-election coming up with the Chris Hune seat in Eastleigh. It's not going to be uh, helping them. And some Lib Dems are saying they believe there's a genuine political motivation behind this. Well, how are Lib Dems responding to this? They must be worried. Well, they are saying there's two investigations. One, looking at the claims against Lord Renard. Uh, Secondly, a wider investigation into how the Lib Dems have handled other types of allegations like this in the past, and their chief exec, Tim Gordon, um, as he put it, whether they've been living up to their political ideals, the idea of equality in the Lib Dems. um, They've tried to make their second inquiry a bit wider by getting people who aren't involved in the Lib Dems on board as well. But, I mean, you've got a problem for Nick Clegg, who's got to now come out again and say what, what... 
what he meant by non-specific allegations. If you remember the problem at the BBC, George Entwistle, who lost his job after doing that famous Today programme interview, and John Humphrey said, you know, you, there are all these problems going on with different programmes. Weren't you curious to know? He became known as Incurious George because he didn't ask the right questions. Now, this is a similar problem that, that, that certainly there's a lot of pressure on Nick Clegg to say, what did he know? Why didn't he investigate this more thoroughly? And what he said is that uh, he asked Danny Alexander, who was then uh, his chief of staff, to speak to Lord Renard and uh, warn him that this m- mustn't happen in future. Uh, he said no more. So there's pressure on him there. Let me briefly, you mentioned something else to you, Ian. One of the individuals who's claimed she was harassed, Alison Smith, on Channel 4 News, claimed the party, in the way it dealt with it, was Kafkaesque. She says they, they were saying to her, no one wants to make a formal complaint. She was saying, I'll make the formal complaint. And then they said, she claims, well, that's a shame. No one wants to make a formal complaint. So there's questions about how the, the party dealt with these complaints as well. And Gary, just to make clear, of course, Lord Renard is strongly denying the allegations, isn't he? Yeah, briefly, he's saying that um, these in 27 years, he's not heard these allegations before. There have been no investigations carried out by, by the police. They are wholly untrue, and he's shot by them. Gavin, thank you very much indeed. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I like Gavin Lee. I think he's an excellent reporter and broadcaster. Can we get him on doing a fun story one day? <laughs> I feel bad that I want to talk to him more. And we get him on with all these kind of legal things that we have to tread carefully, or all these terrible, terrible stories. Can't we get him on to talk about, I don't know, clouds or circuses or, 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 or ice cream or something one day? Just be nice to have a nice chat with Gavin, because I think he's brilliant. Genuinely, he's, he's one of the best reporters that we have. And, um, you know, we, we want to kind of chat with him a bit more. Gavin Lee, excellent stuff uh, as always, and uh, with that kind of story we have to tread uh, very carefully. Now, what's the longest commute we can find? Uh, On average, commuters are travelling, if you're in your car, you're driving to New York and back pretty much every single year. Well, Jordan is uh, from High Wycombe. Morning, Jordan. Hi. I was in High Wycombe at the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic town. Oh, it's lovely. I, lo- I love a bit of High Wycombe. My sister got married in High Wycombe, and my first girlfriend had to go to hospital in High Wycombe. So I've got a lot of good memories with it. Uh, oh, jo- yeah, yeah. I was born there as well. There we so, go, you see. Yeah. Jordan, so, what's your commuting like? Well, it's not bad. It's just, I mean, generally, I just wanted to say, you know, the traffic generally in Britain is, is the issue. Um, you know, with all these properties being built, two-bed flats with one car park space, um, you know, we've got too many cars on the road. That's the issue. Um, you know, I've lived in Australia for a little while, and we all take it for granted that we've got to have sort of, you know, massive traffic jams and, you know, congestion issues, when really, you know, other people don't have to deal with it as much. You know, we're just massively, I suppose, overpopulated over here. But but it depends where you where and when you're travelling. Hey, listen, I have no travel uh, traffic problems when I'm coming in at half past four in the morning. Maybe we should all just kind of change right. our, our hours that we yeah, do well, slightly. That, that's an idea. All, all work from home because we've all got the right thing, haven't we? A phone and broadband, essentially, is what sort of seventy percent of office jobs need to get the job done. So you know, there's a lot of questions of how we work and why we commute so much yeah definitely do you not enjoy the time in your car though john have have you got kids i haven't got kids right i've got kids and i've got kids and they're wonderful and they're they're a gift from god but i do enjoy the couple of hours i spend in my car each day because it's a little bit of peace and quiet i can put a cd on i can listen to the news i can listen to jonathan vernon smith it's kind of a little bit of me time yeah yeah i kind of agree with that but you know it's 
all of a sudden you hit traffic and well you, you don't at four thirty obviously but you know it's just those traffic jams and the sort of you know yeah risk of uh, being on motorways and things it does add sort of pressure to your day you're right there's, there's no jordan thank you for that there's no joy in being stuck in a traffic jam on the m25 let me tell you that now molehills boy we're jumping all over the place this morning we opened the molehill hotline at 6 a.m this morning we had to do one of the stories this morning was going to be the increase in molehills half of us thought it was a non-starter half of the people in the office were, whoa hey whoa don't knock the molehills this is big news well we put it out to you, dear listener. Were molehills big news? You came back with a resounding no. Catherine Boyle, off the news, was saddened by the lack of molehills, and she's compiled this bulletin. Good morning. It's 8.11. Mole news. The headlines. Mole trappers out in force. Golden moles call for name change and size matters for female hottentots. BBC Three Counties Radio. Moles across beds, hearts and bucks are calling for something to be done to stop the destruction of homes and livelihoods thanks to the recent wet weather. The mammals are reporting a marked increase in pest controllers across the region and say the constant trapping and stamping of molehills is unfair and uncalled for. The moles say lawns are an eyesore, but trappers like Phil Crossley are a menace. Because it's been so wet all the worms are starting to come to the surface so they can still breathe because otherwise they'll drown so the mole's just following his food the wetter it is the more they'll come up he says he's just doing his job. Calls are growing for an official name change for the so-called giant golden mole. The species spokesmole, Doug Hill, told BBC Three Counties Radio it's old-fashioned and just plain wrong to call us golden. We're glossy brown and proud of it. Although at 23 centimetres in length, I admit we're massive. Menthol oil is being tried to uh, deter moles from destroying lawns at the castle's wall gardens. Gardener Phil Macon came up with the idea at uh, using the scent to dissuade moles from burrowing under the wall gardens at Gwyneth's Penrith Castle. Gail Sanderson has the details. Strings soaked with the oil is lowered into tunnels dug by moles at the National Trust property and has led to a slight decrease in new mole hills. The RSPCA says noise as well as smell could deter moles. Phil Makin, who got the idea to try menthol oil, said it was unclear whether the oil had worked or if the moles had moved on naturally. But he said since the oil method was introduced, the number of new mole hills had gone down to two a day. And finally, it seems size matters to the female of the hot and top golden mole species. Scientists at the University of Pretoria have discovered the size of a male's molehood is used as the measure of his suitability as a mate. Paul Scoynes has more. Golden moles are most common in sub-Saharan Africa and live underground feeding on earthworms and insect eggs. Writing in the journal Mammalian Biology, scientists at the University of Pretoria say they've discovered intimate body measurements play a significant role in the mating strategy of the moles. Scientists say longer appendages are a significant advantage in underground mating, which is described as unromantic. The weather. Good weather for tunnelling today. Light rain or drizzle will bring those worms up a treat. Today's top temperature is 6 degrees Celsius. That's 43 degrees Fahrenheit. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for Mole News. Catherine? Yeah? Would you marry me? <laughs> Give over. Oh, I actually love Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. We asked for it and we got it. Catherine Boyle with the Mole News. Thank you so much indeed. That has made my February. Uh, Duncan, you're a mole catcher, are you? Yes, I am as well, yeah. You you must be excited to have uh, had three minutes of uh, mole headlines. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it seemed mostly to be abroad rather than home base. <laughs> He's complaining! 
He's complaining that it's foreign moles and not British moles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Duncan, I'm... Yes, you're right, I noticed that. I was disgusted by that. All these foreign moles coming over here, taking our news headlines and filling in our holes. No, we'll have none of that. We'll have none of that. Duncan, you're a mole catcher. Has business been on the increase recently? Uh, not business particularly, in my experience, but uh, there has been sort of an apparent increase in mole activity. And why is that? Well, I think it's because uh, we didn't have the arid period that we normally have in um, July in this region. I'm in East Bedfordshire, so I'm certainly within your broadcasting catchment. You certainly are, sir. And uh, I think really that because most principal diet is worms, that the worms, when the, when the ground is damp near the top, uh, tend to work higher and, and the moles follow them and consequently create their tunnel systems. They use their tunnel systems for foraging. So, Duncan, very quickly, just because we're running out of time, were we, were we correct and, and, and proper to go with the mole story? Do you want to hear more about moles on BBC Three Counties? Well, you know, we, we employ skills as mole catchers that are sort of more subtle than challenging. Yes. And by nature, we're a fairly arcane breed. So uh, we're a little bit uh, not secretive, but we give that impression. Ooh. Not many people know how to catch a mole, and we don't particularly protect that art. But so um, you, you you would just to move on, talking. You, you would rather we kept that secret. You're kind of like ninjas in, in that respect, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Duncan, who is uh, the secretary of the Association of Mole Catchers. Wowzers! Eight sixteen. Here's the travel news now with Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the M1, we are still looking at delays between 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flittick and anti-clockwise on the M25, also slow between 21 at the M1 and 17 at Maple Cross. Going to take you around an hour to get through that stretch, not helped, of course, by the earlier accident. Now heading south through Roxton on the A1, it is still queuing between the Black Cat roundabouts and the St Neots Junction, and also still slow on the Barnet Bypass at the moment between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Southbound through Chesant on the A10, also slow between Turnford and the M25 at Junction 25 at Enfield. Everything else, though, not looking too bad at all. Moving nicely on the trains. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, it's 8.17. These are your uh, headlines uh, on the Monday the 25th of February on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, has said he was aware five years ago of indirect and non-specific concerns about the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard, who denies allegations of inappropriate behaviour towards women. The Spanish operators of London Luton Airport may be about to pull out of aviation altogether. They currently have a long-term contract with the airport's owners, Luton Borough Council. In sport, in the Premier League, goals from Yaya Toure and Carlos Tevez saw Manchester City beat Chelsea 2-0. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy with light rain or drizzle and a top temperature of six degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking Oscars music with my favourite music journalist, Jonathan Wingate. 08459 455, you know the rest. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. No two days are ever the same on my programme. That's because I get to meet passionate local people. As usual, over a pint in the Queen's Head one night in Amtour, we said, hey, why don't we have a, a pop-up cinema? And we just got together and we 
convert Parkside Hall into a cinema. Play loads of great music. The Birds, Mr. Tambourine Man. Tell me which other show on the radio goes from Leanne Rhymes to Elvis Presley. And sometimes I try to learn new skills. And then you've got the white thread basically connected to these bobbins, which make all dead. I may have messed them up. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Why would I lie about that? Well, well, you're 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 socially dysfunctional, aren't you? I don't like people, if that's what you mean. <laughs> but I, I, I can handle them, kind of. You know, you can come to my house. Well, you just said while we were listening to to that trial, you just said you can come round to my new house. Yes, I said yeah, like I believe that. Yes, you can you can come round for an hour and fifteen minutes. Right, and then I'll have to leave. Well, yeah, of course. I don't want you there all day. This is the thing. I think if you... Well, the thing I've learned, when you have kids, okay, if you have kids' parties, you say, we're having a children's party between three and five. <laughs> and the, the party bags come out. Pa- the party bags come out about ten to five. Everyone knows, oh, it's, it, it's time to go. And I think that we should do that more with other instances in life. So if we've got visitors to my house, Jonathan, you're invited to my house between uh, two and four. Right. And that's not rude. That, that means we've got two hours to keep the conversation sharp, with it and and you know we can uh, a bit of pressure there though there's no pressure that takes the pressure off but what if we were having fun we won't be <laughs> we won't be at all. Listen, i saw his mother's day's coming up and i'm and I, I love my mum and i thought we, we we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier so i, I went and saw my mum at the weekend she's bonkers and i've forgotten how bonkers she is right so i got her to describe some bits and pieces here she is. She's describing a gentleman here. Have a listen and see if you can describe what... This one's quite easy. See if you can guess what gentleman my mum's describing, OK? He's good-looking. There are plenty of girls after him. He's sent on missions by the Queen or the hierarchy in the Parliament. Yeah. It might be to kill somebody or Could just... Be. Arrest them. I don't. I don't know which. Yeah, so she doesn't know which. Arrest them. Could be to kill them or arrest them. I know them. who that is. Go on. Who's that? It's James Bond. It is James Bond. Of it is. But then I picked up and said, "Mum, why didn't you mention the word spy? You're describing." She says, oh, "I didn't think it was appropriate." Sometimes he has to go and arrest people. <laughs> I'm not sure James Bond has ever arrested what anyone. Did he arrest? And I said, Mum, "What film did he arrest someone in?" Oh, I think he did it in the first one. Right. <laughs> Where does he keep his handcuffs? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen James. Maybe Robin. that's what's down his trunks. Do you reckon? It could be. Ah. It could be. What's coming up on your show this morning, Jonathan well, Smith? Coming up on this morning's big phone-in, we're talking about the UK's economy. It's likely to be uh, quite a day for the UK's economy. And I'm asking, would you welcome more cuts to save it? Mm. You know, uh, the UK markets will be opening today very shortly yep. for the first time since we've had our, our credit rating stripped. We've lost our AAA. We're now AA1. Still sounds quite good to me. It's not bad, is it? Out of all the, uh, you know, if you compare it to what, everything, I mean, a double A one at school, I would have been very happy with. But seemingly, it's significant. And there are some economists who are saying, you know what, we need more cuts. Yeah. Uh, one particular economy, he said, this just vindicates what George Osborne has been doing. It shows that the country needs to cut. We're spending too much money. Mm. The question I'm asking from Nine is... Could we cope with that? Would you welcome more cuts to save the UK's economy? I want to hear your views, please. 08459 455 555. Or perhaps you think it's the cuts that are getting us into this kind of trouble. We'll discuss it from nine. Very rarely for one of your questions, I don't know the answer to it. Most of your questions, I know the answer and uh, I'm happy to guide you. Um, but I don't, I don't know the answer to this one. It's tricky, isn't it? I, I should be listening and I, I hope you'll have the answer by 10 o'clock. 
Well, there are lots of people out there who think we are still, as a country, we're spending more than we can afford. I 77 mean, to, grand a day on taxis, Hearts County Council. I, exactly. We need to cut right back on all kinds of other things. There are then those, particularly those in the Labour Party, who mm. keep suggesting, no, 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 what we need to do is we need to stimulate growth. We need to stop the cuts, we need to go out there, and we need to spend more money. Well, what is the answer? I want your view. I don't expect you to be an economist, but I want your view at nine, please. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Be be gentle with JVS today. He's got a bit of a cold. I've just sent him out of the studio quickly because I I don't want to get ill. But he's he's a little bit chesty and a bit clarty this morning, so just, just be gentle with him. If you wouldn't mind. Um, moles. Moles. Ben from High Wycombe. Morning, Ben. Morning. It, it, moles. Yes, I just thought I'd better get you out of a hole. <clears throat> <clears throat> and uh, I have seen a field just the other side of Cookham going to Maidenhead with over, I stopped counting, at 26 mole 26 hills. 26 mole hills, at least. Yeah, and I've got one in the middle of my back that I've never seen. So what, what, what can we do to, with, about them, Ben? Not a lot. It's in a field with cattle. They they don't take any notice of them. What, what, I, I'm kind of you know that whack a mole game you get in in, in fairs where, yeah, where the moles come out of holes I and you whack them with a stick. D- does that work in real life? I doubt it very much. You'd have to sit there for an awful long time. Yeah, give him a good, damn good whack. Ben, yeah. listen, thank you very much for that. Are, are you right. are you happy that we're, we're discussing moles this morning? Do you want more Absolutely. moles on Three Counties? Oh, why not? Why not? I'm all in favour of them. Excellent stuff. We'll do it. More moles on BBC Three Counties Radio coming up. Uh, now, Oscars last night. The British actor, Daniel Day-Lewis. Does he come from Luton? No, but let's say he does. The Luton-born actor Daniel Day-Lewis has become the first man to win three Best Actor Oscars. There was also British success for Adele, who I think is from Bedford, who picked up the Oscar for Best Song for her Bond theme, Skyfall, which I think was set in Milton Keynes. Film critics say it's the ideal song for the 50th anniversary of Bond. I, I say it kind of sounds the same as Diamonds Are Forever. It's like they said to Adele, we want you to do the new Bond theme, but can you make it sound a little bit like another Bond theme that was quite good? Have a guess which song this is. It's the same song, isn't it? Well, Jonathan Wingate is uh, a, a top musical journalist and joins me now. Jonathan, they're the same song, aren't they? You're a sharp cookie. They're, they're exactly the same song. They sound very similar, don't they? They're certainly similar in terms of the atmosphere they evoke. Let, let me go, listen, let me go, listen. we get it. It, it, it is, they're, they're very similar, aren't they? It's just kind of a bit of a slightly slowed down Diamonds Are Forever, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think, you know, it, jo- I, joking to one side, I think you're onto something there. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a sort of link, isn't there, between John Barry's melody and um, uh, which, which is, he wrote Diamonds Are Forever, didn't he, I think. Probably. And Adele's, Adele's um, tune, which, but this is the best Bond theme in years, isn't it? The, the, there are some stinky uh, Bond theme, themes. Uh, for example, I'm trying to remember what the theme to Octopussy was. 
Oh, no, Octopussy. Ooh. Um, no, I'm thinking of Moonraker. I can't remember Octopussy. Was that Sheena Easton, one of the dodgy ones? Yeah, I... Trying to keep him with the zeitgeist. Yeah, I, I think it was Sheena Easton, and it had to... I think we'd all have to agree, wouldn't we? And we'd be churlish not to. The best Bond theme is Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings. Uh, I think you're right. It, I mean, that's just... It's got everything. It's got the, the, the drama, it's got an orchestra, it's got glockenspiels, it's got everything you want. Um, yeah, no, I have to say, I think you're right, but I think the Adele one is up there. It's not as exciting for me, but then I, I think it just evokes the spirit of Bond. Uh, I, I, it's amazing what's happened to Adele, isn't it? What, what? It is amazing, really, isn't it? She's, she's 24 years old. It makes you sick. And she, it does make you sick, and she's the, probably the biggest singing star in the world. I tell you what I like about Adele, and I, and I do quite like her music. I know it's fashionable to go, oh, she's really boring, but sometimes, you know, sort of late in the evening, a slight boring cd is what you want to listen to isn't it who says she's boring oh lots of people do i think they're people trying to be a bit too clever i think they are i think people that say um they don't want to hear the beatles they prefer to listen to some psychedelic weird band from belgium oh god let's put a bit of can on no let's not no one listens to can no one listens to that nonsense it's nice to have can in your record collection but no one puts it on but no i don't think she's boring i think she's mood music I disagree. I think Adele is pure class. Yeah, oh, no, I know. I think have she... to say, I think Adele is pure class, I'm... and I, I think she. You know, usually, actually, if you think about it, there's a, somehow a link between someone like her and Shirley Bassey. She just oozes class. And what's me. great about her as well is when she opens her mouth. No airs and graces. All right, yeah. I'm all right, my Dale. Well, she's a local girl, according to you. Well, I'm not, I don't know if that's actual fact. I love fact. the way, can, I, can we just go off on a tangent? I, I love the way you've actually just reinvented everything. Daniel Day-Lewis is, is from Luton. Got, got, got to make it local, yeah, Jonathan. Always got to look for the local angle. Adele, uh, did the Beatles come from the mean streets of Bedford or something? No, no now you're just being ridiculous. Of course Sorry. they didn't. No. Of course they didn't, but um, I believe that they uh, recorded uh, Sergeant Pepper in Luton. Uh, stay there, Jonathan, because Mark, Mark you're from Hemel. You can fill us in with the octopusy theme can you oh uh, yes i can mate yeah what is it it was uh it was called all time high by rita coolidge not one of the most memorable oh yes ones, yes yes rita coolidge did a bond yeah. theme yeah that's it mate and can i can i just point out here no i disagree with you the best bond theme ever was uh carly simon nobody does it better that's brilliant well, it's not it's in the top three that's could you <laughs> you're right you're right on that one but mark could not, you s- not up there with uh diamonds are forever sorry mark could you uh, sing us a bit of uh, um uh the rita coolidge one Oh, Christ. Um, don't, um, don't. On all time high. Something like that, mate. Thank you for... Anyway, rubbish. Mark, thank you very much. And finally, Jonathan, what makes a good Bond theme? Um, It's a combination of uh, melodrama and melody. How alliterative is that? That was very good. And sexy ladies dancing in the foreground as well. No, I think it's exactly that. And I think when they try and get too clever... Um, and pick someone ultra cool, like when they got Jack White to do oh, it. Oh, that was awful. It was dreadful. Yeah. I mean, really, Jack White, love him. Love him to death. He's a local boy from Luton, apparently. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, it's just wrong when they try and get too clever. Ultimately, what they need to do is reflect the film, and I think that's what this does. To be honest, Octopussy's completely forgettable, probably a bit like that song. Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. Music journalist Jonathan Wingate, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Right. Nearly 8.30, let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Heading south on the M40, looking slow at the moment between Junction 5 at Stoke and Church and 4 at High Wycombe. Southbound on the M1, also still slow between 12 at Flittick and 9 at Redbourne. And looking fairly start-stop as well, uh, anti-clockwise on the M25 between Junction 21 at the M1 and 16 at the M40. Going to take you around an hour to get through that stretch. Barnet Bypass still queuing uh, between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus, heading south and also through Chesant. Southbound on the A10, we are still looking at delays between Turnford and Junction 25 of the M25 at Enfield while heading south on the A1 again through Roxton very slow in the Black Cat roundabout and the St Neots Junction everything else not looking too bad this morning does seem to be moving nicely on the trains at the moment Sophie Dyler BBC Three Counties Radio Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking This is BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning with the 8.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. The Liberal Democrat leader Nick Clegg has said he was aware five years ago of indirect and non-specific concerns about the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard, who denies allegations of inappropriate behaviour towards women. The Spanish operators of London Luton Airport may be about to pull out of aviation altogether. Abertis currently have a long-term contract with the airport's owners, Luton Borough Council. Hertfordshire County Council's in the firing line for the amount it spends on taxis for schoolchildren. According to The Telegraph, it spent £15 million on cabs in the school year from 2011 to 2012. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. In the Premier League, the champions Manchester City have reduced Manchester United's league at the top to 12 points. There were 2-0 winners at home to Chelsea with goals from Yaya Toure and Carlos Tevez. The Newcastle manager Alan Pardew has encouraged his players to target a top 10 finish in the Premier League after their victory at St James's Park over Southampton. Newcastle fought back from a goal down to win 4-2 and moved six points clear of the relegation zone. Watford moved into second place in the championship at the weekend after their win over Derby. Hornets boss Gianfranco Zola says he set his sides on the playoffs. But a warning, this clip is set against a background of what sounds an awful lot like extreme violence. You might want to turn your volume down. I think we need to keep uh, performing and uh, winning games. Uh, obviously, that is the most important thing. Uh, and then we see, obviously, that, that is, that's the part that we can do. Whether it's enough or not, we don't know. It depends also with the others. But uh, it's very encouraging today. MK Dons are 13 points off the League One playoffs after their draw at Carlisle and in League One Stevenage lost again and are now 15th in the table. Gary Smith's determined to keep his call for tomorrow's game against Scunthorpe. It'll be a big game for them, they're back at home and if we play anything like we have today, you know, we stand a very good chance of getting something out of the game and I think that's the key now. Everybody staying focused and keeping some consistency. Finally, Luton Town have yet to announce their new manager and the Hatters lost 3-2 to Mansfield on Saturday. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. So you feel that's quite tender, it's soggy, I suppose. Oh, you can feel as it goes in and you see how quickly it moved down then. That was... Um... That was our reporter, Serena Farrow, talking about moles. <laughs> Morning, this is Ian Lee. So good. I may not be back tomorrow. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.33. Coming up in the last half hour of the show, libraries. Some libraries are trying some special things to make them cool and sexy again. And Hertfordshire County Council, last year, between 2011 and 2012, spent £77,000 a day on taxis for kids to go to school. Good use of money. We've not had one parent call in who sends their children to school via a taxi. 08459 455 555. Libraries. When was the last time you went to the library? I love libraries. 
take my boys there all the time. We've just moved and I'm so looking forward to discovering the new library. But with films, the internet, Kindles, online bookshops, libraries are suffering. Well, High Wycombe Library has decided to try other ways to get more people through their doors. They're going to hold comedy nights to try and get younger people reading. Well, our reporter Sophie Soleri has been asking students what it would take to keep them in the library after their exams are finished. I've, no, I've never known the art age group to be kind of involved with those kinds of things. When you think of library, what age range do you think? Different parts of the library cater for different people, so I only come here to study. I won't come here with the purpose to like watch a comedy show. I would never do that. What would get you into the library apart from to study? Nothing. Nothing? No. Nope. Sometimes I need to get books out. What about film nights? And Does anyone fancy that? I think maybe little kids might like that. What about after you guys have finished university? Well, after uni, I'm not really going to be studying. <laughs> so literally, it will be finishing education and probably the end of the library for you as well. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. We have our own kids. Would you go to a comedy show at the library? You wouldn't really look at the library for that kind of entertainment. You're more likely to go to the theatre or something. So I think it's mainly a place for like books yeah. and to. I can't really see myself like coming here. Yeah, it's not associated with entertainment. So. How do you think the libraries are going to get those people in the doors then? If your age bracket don't use the library, it's like I guess like maybe yeah. a famous author. Contact the schools and say, look, this is what's happening in the library. Like, would your be... students be interested? I think it has to be relevant to the library. Like, comedy shows don't seem that relevant to the library, whereas having, like, an author in or something, yeah. famous author might be more, get more people in. So, I've just stopped you here by the information desk. I noticed that you've just bought a ticket for the comedy show on Sunday evening. Yeah, it's, um, the comedy at the town hall is always really good in the Swan, so... So you thought you'd give the library a go? Yeah, I thought I'd see what it's like. As a library user, what would you like to see in the future? Do you like the idea of entertainment in your library? Yeah, it's a good idea, because it, it gets people into the library and then you can have a look around while you're here as well. So. Well, the man behind the idea of having comedy in the library is uh, library assistant at High Wycombe Library, uh, AJ Bone. Morning, AJ. Hi there. What, how did you come up with this, uh, this idea? Um, well, basically, I uh, wanted to give uh, people in our area uh, a good night out. That's sort of where it's all come from. Um, we started asking our customers uh, a good few months back now what they'd like to see in the library. And um, comedy night was one of the things that came, well, comedy in the library was one of the things that came up um, top of the list. Uh, so it's a good way, you know, to show people that we do more than just books, you know, DVDs, CDs, things like that. that there's uh, sort of more things that we actually can offer people. There's nothing like this in the county. So how is, how is the evening going to work? What, what, how much are tickets and, and, and what's the evening going to be like? Uh, well, tickets are £5. Pounds. Um, so, uh, hey, got, that's um, a bargain. Yeah, it's all here. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we've got uh, a couple of uh, professional comedians coming in. Um, one of Mary Bork, uh, who's been on things like uh, Stand Up Here on ITV4. And uh, the contest for the night is a guy called Simon Clayton, who's actually performed at the Gondi Store and with people like Bill Bailey, um, Harry Hill, Joe Brand. Um, they've both got some videos on, on YouTube. And um, they're really quite, uh, really good. We've also got a few other mic slots as well. Um, at the moment, we've got a couple filled by um, some local guys, um, musical duo who uh, proved to be quite, quite, uh, quite entertaining, and uh, just a normal stand-up, uh, stand-up, and uh, he's performing some poetry as well. Ooh. But um, 
comedic poetry. Really, I, I, AJ, how is this going to work? Because I, I, I don't know if you've been to comedy nights. I've been to a few. I've hosted a few myself, and I'm always available for, for bookings if there's cash involved. Uh, but they can sometimes get a little bit rowdy, and you sometimes get troublesome people in the audience. Are you, are you ready to um, eject? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've planned for, you know, different bits and pieces like that. So um, it is something we've, we've put a lot of thought into, you know, obviously being in the middle of a shopping centre. Um, we've, we've got the, uh, the security guys from Eden. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it's definitely something we've looked into. A booze? Is there going to be booze? Uh, not planned at the moment. Um, we're planning some refreshments, but um, alcohol is something that we've, yeah, well, you know, a bit more interesting than that. But, yes. um, you know, not alcoholic at the moment. Now, we've been looking into this, and it, it would appear that you're the only library um, in the area doing this, this kind of thing. I know people like um, Robin Ince have kind of done tours of libraries, but you're the only one doing this at the moment. The rest kind of stick to the usual author talks and, and book clubs. Uh, are you confident it's going to work? Um, yeah, I mean, we've, like I say, we had a lot of feedback um, from our customers saying that it would be something they'd like to see. Um, also, um, you know, we've had a lot of interest through posters through the website. Um, it's just uh, turning out to getting people through the doors. But yeah, it does seem to be something that people are interested in. Have you sold any tickets so far? We heard one being sold there to a gentleman. Have you sold many more? Uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've sold a few. I mean, I've not got exact numbers uh, at the moment, but um, yeah, we've, we've, we've sold a few so far, yeah. If people want to buy tickets in advance, is there a website or something they, c- they can go to? There is. Probably the easiest way to get to it is uh, through our Facebook page. Um, just search for High Wickham Library on Facebook, and there's a link in our events page. Um, and also, you know, we're always sharing it, trying to boost its, um, boost its outlook. And AJ, if this works, what, what, what's next? Burlesque dancers? What kind of thing? Is <laughs> stag nights? Where do you think you could go with this? Well, I mean, it's this week, this Sunday sort of starts. Um, we've got local authors week uh, going on from Tuesday 5th. Uh, we've got a load of local authors uh, coming down to talk about their experiences and a writer's group on the Sunday. World Book Night, um, sort of uh, Donna Leon is actually coming into the library. Um, so a couple more traditional library things, uh, you know, things that you'd associate with libraries. Um, and then uh, for off the shelf, um, we're actually planning uh, amateur film uh, night at some point in the future so I think that's probably our next big project Listen, I wish you the best of luck, I think it's a cracking idea uh, I, I, I know Meryl O'Rourke, I think she's, she's wonderful, it's, she's worth a fiver she's worth a fiver, excellent stuff AJ Bone there from uh, High Wycombe Library He's good looking Oh it's my mum, go away for goodness sakes I can't get rid of her, I meant to press this Across beds, hearts and bucks this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio I'll tell you why I'm all fingers and thumbs uh, my little boy took great my youngest took great delight in smashing a glass bowl at the weekend and i managed to sweep it all up i, I think i've got some glass there's a, like a, a little lump of glass in my thumb but under the skin now how, what happens with that it, it, will that stay in me forever or will my will it because there, there's no cut or anything it's obviously just gone straight under does it stay in forever or will my body reject it and push it out like passing a, a, a gallstone or, or, or a kidney stone or something i'm a little bit i can feel it it doesn't hurt it's, i mean it's a little bit sore and if i squeeze my thumb i can see the bit of glass underneath the skin it, it's the kind of thing I, I can see myself with a with the the pin from a badge digging into my thumb and trying to cut it out. It's the sort of thing I, I, I might end up doing this afternoon. Anyway, on the subject of commuting, Brendan is in Bedford. With Brendan, how long is your commute? I, I'm going from Sharnbrook today. Yes. And I don't come back here till Saturday. What? what? No, no. Oh. I, go, I go back to St. Neans tonight. Right. Basically, my uh-huh. commute into Bedford is half an hour. Then add on another 
half an hour, maybe an hour. Hang on a second, hang on a second. Let me get pen and paper. So, so the first one is half an hour, and then I'm adding on what? Another half an hour? If it's at 5.25, yeah. it is normally half an hour, maybe an hour. Okay, so that's an hour to an... Depending on what I hear from St. Mm. Okay, so that's an hour to an hour so and a half so far, yep. These are black cats. You know the black cat area you were saying earlier? Yes, yes I do, yeah. I sometimes have a problem getting past that. Oh. Because, that, because of that traffic? Can be a, yeah. Yeah, that can be a nightmare, that, that and area. And it's normally on a Friday night. Yeah. That's the, why is everyone driving on a Friday night? Why are Friday nights so difficult to negotiate? I don't know. There's major RTCs and all sorts. And that's what I get in the shop. Because t- Tuesday nights, Tuesday nights are fine. They could be a little bit troublesome, but they're fine. Friday nights, Brendan. Oh, you're right. Major RTCs. Uh, uh, there are all. Co- it's all kinds of things going on. Why yeah. is that? No idea. And it frustrates me when I'm trying to get back to the home to then go out on a Friday night mm. to Hatfield. Yeah. What are, you, what are you doing in Hatfield? What's going on in Hatfield on a Friday? We go to a gateway club at down in Hatfield. Fantastic. Do you enjoy the commute, Brendan? Do, do, do you enjoy it? Do you t- take it as a chance to listen to a bit of music, get, get a bit of Brendan time, or, or does it frustrate you? I often drink a bottle of Coke on the bus. Brendan in Bedford, that's, that's one way. That's one way. It's one way, isn't it, of making um, your journey a little bit more exciting. I hope you take that empty bottle or empty can home with you, Brendan, because one thing I will not stand is litter. I will not stand for litter. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We've been talking uh, about um, the, the county council that last year spent seventy seven thousand pounds a day on cabs for um, taking kids to school. Well, you've been talking about this on Facebook. A lot of you are very angry. Dave Chu says, what a joke. These councils are run by morons. I'm certain of it. £77,000 a day? Ridiculous. Kevin says, I'm, not, I'm shocked that I'm not shocked by their incompetence. Uh, Paul says, Rhea myself could supply some amateur homemade movies for the library. Oh, no, 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 please. For goodness sakes. Um... Uh, Tracy says, the children who are supplied with transport to school are nearly always special needs children. The council supply this service as there are not that many special needs schools suitable to that child nearby. The council put out a tender and the local taxi firms have to apply. They also need to supply an escort for the journey and most will have done a course on child protection and safety within the car. Well, yes, we don't know the um, percentage of, of those journeys, of that money that was spent on special needs. And it'll be interesting to kind of get the breakdown on that and see exactly what it is. 08459 555. It's coming up to 845. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading east on the A505 at the moment through Hitchin. It's queuing and it's blocked following an accident on Grove Road just around Nightingale Road, causing delays all over Hitchin Town Centre at the moment. North heading south on the A10 through Enfield. It is looking slow to Bullsmore uh, Lane and Southbury Road. Uh, Just again at the usual delays at the moment on the A10, particularly heading south through Chesney at the moment around uh, Turnford. It is still looking busy and also on the motorways. We've got looking uh, fairly start-stop at the moment, anti-clockwise on the M25 
25 between 21 at the M1 and 16 at the M40. Delays there have around an hour not helped by the earlier accident. And heading south on the M40 as well, still slow between 5 at Stoke and Church and 4 at High Wycombe. While heading south on the M1, it is also fairly slow between 11 at Dunstable and 9 at Redbourne. Everything else uh, seems to be coping well. Trains are still looking good. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, it's 8.46. It's Monday the 25th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Liberal Democrat leader, Nick Clegg, has said he was aware five years ago of indirect and non-specific concerns about the party's former chief executive, Lord Renard, who denies allegations of inappropriate behaviour towards women. The Spanish operators of London Luton Airport may be about to pull out of aviation altogether. Abbotis currently have a long-term contract with the airport's owners, Luton Borough Council. In sport, in golf, Kuchar beat defending champion Hunter Mahan to win the WGC World Match Play Golf in Arizona. Those names again. Kuchar, Hunter Mahan. Coming up, we'll hear your reaction to the news that Hertfordshire County Council are spending around £77,000 a day on taxis to take children to school. But before that, here's the latest weather with Kate Kinsella. Well, Malcolm, you're laughing at this. You think the story's ridiculous. Can you tell us why? It's just a total waste of money. That's not the weather. That's not the weather. Here's the weather. Dearie me. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Sorry, Kate, that was my fat fingers with glass in. Away you go. <laughs> That's quite all right. Well, it is rather a cold and cloudy start to the new working week. We've had one or two breaks in the cloud, though, so a glimmer or two of sunshine. Uh, but currently they're moving away out of our region now, so far away east. Uh, we're looking at a rather cloudy picture as we head through the day. Most places above freezing. Having said that, some weird pockets of frost out there over at High Wycombe, the temperatures dropped in the last half an hour or so to zero everywhere else though around one or two celsius now this cloud continues the wind continues as well it's a stiff northeasterly breeze so it's actually going to feel really rather cold despite it being temperature wise warmer than the weekend we're looking at a maximum of six celsius 43 degrees in fahrenheit overnight tonight staying rather cloudy most places dry we may get a spot or two of light rain and drizzle over higher ground uh, particularly towards the chilterns for example but the minimum temperature above freezing 2 celsius 36 degrees in fahrenheit and tomorrow is really a repeat of today staying cloudy and cold that's your forecast thank you very much kate there are so many ways to listen to three counties radio on fm 95.5 103.8 and 104.5 on am 630 and 1161 Online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. And now on DAB Digital Radio. Search for us, BBC 3CR. Bringing local radio to you in more ways than ever. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number if you want to give us a call. It's been a strange show today. We've covered so many different things. Moles. We talked about moles. It was going to be the second story on the show, and we kind of, half of the team went, no, no, no. Moles, no. The other half went, whoa, yes, we've got the moles exclusive. Well, it turns out there may have been a story in it. We have been getting, in the last hour, more and more calls about moles, and now we're talking about moleskin. Sheila's in St Albans. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. There's mm. even a song about a mole. I am a mole and I live in a hole. hole. Which I believe, have, have I got this right? Was that Lenny Henry's dad? I don't know. 
I, I, yeah, I, I've got, for some reason, in the back of my head, I am a mole and I live in a hole. That's uh, right. Kids, kids don't know they're born these days with all their Lady Gagas and their cold plays. They don't know what moles are. They don't know what moles are. They don't know what good music is. They don't know no. what music about moles is. Uh, Sheila, you've called it about mole skin. Yeah, I think mole skin was a type of trouser or type of material rather than made out of mole skins. Might have been years and years and years before they then termed the type of, like, you get satin finish and stuff like that. Because oh, I I had some moleskin trousers. Yeah, then. And they weren't they weren't actually moleskin. Moleskin. No, that's right. Um, but was it ever made from moleskin? Because the gentleman we had on, I think, was it Dennis? Yes, I, I think probably it's a little bit like when you uh, the old story about haggis. When you know you say people say what well, what's haggis made of? Oh well, they've got two short legs and two long legs, and yeah. they run round in circles on the hills. You know what I mean? And I guess someone was taking the little bit of the mickey out of him. Oh, no, guy. Dennis was, wasn't being misled. Because you're right, moles are, are tiny, and to get a, a pair of trousers out of actual moles, that's going to take about 50 moles. I mean, years ago, one used to catch rabbits, and then they used to skin them, and the rabbit skins were sold for, for gloves. Yes. Oh, um, but they're a little bit bigger, aren't they? Yes. You know. Have you seen those giant rabbits? Oh, those big things that look like a mini dog. Yeah, they're massive. They're, 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 they're like the size of two children. <laughs> they're huge. Yeah. Are they Dutch something or other? Probably. Those Dutch are very, very strange, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. It's, only, it's the good kind of racism. We can get away with that. Yeah, Sheila, I, th- I think they're called Dutch. Are, are they large Dutch or something like that? I don't know. I think a large Dutch is, is something else altogether, Sheila, which we won't go into at th- this time of the day. Sheila in St Albans, thank you very much. Was moleskin ever moleskin? It turns out that... You know I'm going to be driving through to Gloucester next week or something and I'll turn on the radio and the chainsaw station will be doing this. Give us a call, your mole stories. Uh, well, Hertfordshire uh, County Council spent around... Just to do a quantum leap in topics there. Spent around £77,000 a day on taxis to take children to school last year. The figures obtained by The Telegraph showed that 33 local authorities out of 150 spent just under £155 million, with Hertfordshire being one of the highest spenders, with over £15 million in the year 2011 to 2012. Well, we sent our reporter, Justin Dealey, to get your opinions on this. Well, Malcolm, you're laughing at this. You think the story's ridiculous. Can you tell us why? It's just a total waste of money. This school in particular, God knows how much money's been spent on it. It's a lovely place. It's a beautiful place to go. But the buses that come back was always here every day, minimum to the cars. The cars go down here. There's Nobody can park anywhere. It's just a shambles in the morning. I mean, some of these children have got special needs. Special needs, yeah, I agree with my wife. Um, does the crossing another small school down the road there, and she used to work at the school, and they've got kids in there with special needs, that's fine. But most of the people are local, and they take their kids themselves. There are a few people that came in from Luton with cars, yeah, but apart so, from that. So just lastly, as far as you're concerned, anybody, any child who doesn't have uh, special needs should not be getting a taxi to school, which is being funded by Hertfordshire County exactly Council, so. but you're paying for. Exactly so, that's what we're saying, yeah. Well, Paul, as a local taxpayer, £77,000 a day. Can you give us your honest reaction to that? I think it's a bit ridiculous, that amount of money being spent. I mean, when you went to school, did you walk? Did you get a bus? Did you get a taxi? Um, How did it work for you? From junior school, I used to walk to school. Secondary school, I used to catch a bus. Well, James, we're talking about £77,000 a day. Can you give us your reaction to that? I think it's an awful lot of money, but uh, I do think it's perhaps due to, to do with the system rather than the Hearts County Council itself. 
children do need to be taken to school. That's an educa- a requirement that falls on the county council. And if they live out of catchment or they're disabled or whatever, they have to get them to school. If it means taking a, you know, a, a taxi service to pick up some disabled boy and take him to uh, an appropriate school, which happens to be two hours away, they've got to perform that. And it could cost an awful lot of money, but uh, that has to be done. So I think it's a system rather than the actual county council itself. Justin Dealey reporting there. We've got some uh, emails about this. Emma's emailed. Ian, sometimes parents have no choice but to have their child taken to school by taxi. Even when some choose the nearest school, they are refused because parents from outside the area pick that school. Some have no bus routes. Stop talking like a wally. Good use of the word wally. Well done, not heard that since 1987. Until you know the facts from him. Well, the facts are, Em, you're responsible for your kids. Why should my council tax be paying for your kids to go travel to school in a taxi? The luxury of being in a minicab. Walk them to school. Drive them to school. You're their parents. You're responsible. Sharon in Hemel Hempstead said, My son, who's now 18 and at college, has Asperger's. He was placed at a special school in Baldock by Hearts Education Authority, even though we live in Hemel Hempstead, as there were no places available at my preferred school. There were no suitable schools in Hemel Hempstead. He had paid taxi transport from year 8 until he left in year 11. It's down to availability of places at special schools when you're, you're actually applying. I think we don't know the breakdown of the figures, and I think that if a child has needs that are greater than the average child, there is possibly some argument uh, for for possibly getting taxis, if there are no other ways, Sharon. I agree with you on that. Today's show has been a weird one. We've done lots of uh, important topics, and we had a big debate about whether we should do moles or not. It turns out that we were right to embrace moles. Earlier on in the show... Uh, Catherine Boyle, off the news, gave us a special mole bulletin. We've been literally inundated with requests to hear that again. So, from 11 minutes past eight, here is Catherine Boyle with the mole headlines. Good morning, it's 8.11, mole news, the headlines, mole trappers out in force, golden moles call for name change and size matters for female hottentots. BBC Three Counties Radio. Moles across beds, hearts and bucks are calling for something to be done to stop the destruction of homes and livelihoods thanks to the recent wet weather. The mammals are reporting a marked increase in pest controllers across the region and say the constant trapping and stamping of molehills is unfair and uncalled for. The moles say lawns are an eyesore, but trappers like Phil Crossley are a menace. Because it's been so wet all the worms are starting to come to the surface so they can still breathe because otherwise they'll drown so the mole's just following his food the wetter it is the more they'll come up he says he's just doing his job. Calls are growing for an official name change for the so-called giant golden mole. The species spokesmole, Doug Hill, told BBC Three Counties Radio it's old-fashioned and just plain wrong to call us golden. We're glossy brown and proud of it. Although at 23 centimetres in length, I admit we're massive. Menthol oil is being tried to uh, deter moles from destroying lawns at the castle's wall gardens. Gardener Phil Macon came up with the idea at uh, using the scent to dissuade moles from burrowing under the wall gardens at Gwyneth's Penner Castle. Gail Sanderson has the details. String soaked with the oil is lowered into tunnels dug by moles at the National Trust property and has led to a slight decrease in new mole hills. The RSPCA says noise as well as smell could deter moles. Phil Makin, who got the idea to try menthol oil, said it was unclear whether the oil had worked or if the moles had moved on naturally. But he said since the oil method was introduced, the number of new mole hills had gone down to two a day. And finally, it seems size matters to the female of the hot and top 
not golden mole species. Scientists at the University of Pretoria have discovered the size of a male's molehood is used as the measure of his suitability as a mate. Paul Scoynes has more. Golden moles are most common in sub-Saharan Africa and live underground feeding on earthworms and insect eggs. Writing in the journal Mammalian Biology, scientists at the University of Pretoria say they've discovered intimate body measurements play a significant role in the mating strategy of the moles. Scientists say longer appendages are a significant advantage in underground mating, which is described as unromantic. The weather. Good weather for tunnelling today. Light rain or drizzle will bring those worms up a treat. Today's top temperature is 6 degrees Celsius. That's 43 degrees Fahrenheit. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for Mole News. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the unique way the BBC is funded that has allowed us to bring you that Mole News. Excellent stuff uh, there. I I suspect that we're going to be edged out of jobs and it's all, it's all going to be Mole News uh, from uh, now on. Uh, A a couple of quick uh, Facebook comments on the moles. Oh, look, I've lost them now. There we go. Um, My... my stepdad had loads of these little creatures under his lawn years ago. It's fascinating to actually watch them appear. I, I feel bad about killing a mole. They look really, they look so cute. Imagine putting a trap down to, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, snap its neck? Is that, is that what you do? Pouring, I, I have no problems, no qualms about pouring boiling water on anthills. Oh, I'll do, I'll do it on anthills. Don't worry about that. But moles, oh, they're so cute. Can you get them as pets, I wonder? <laughs> Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading east through Grove Road in Hitchin, it is queuing and partially blocked following an accident at the A505 at Nightingale uh, Road, causing delays all over Hitchin Town at the moment. Now, also heading south on the Barnet Bypass, queuing again where you'd expect between Stirling Corner and Millhill Circus, and through Chesant as well on the A10. More delays between Turnford and Junction 25 of the M25 at Enfield. It can take you 20 minutes to get through that stretch. Anti-clockwise on the M25, still heavy between 21 at the M1 and 16 at the M40. Can take you around an hour to get through that stretch, all following the earlier accident as well. And delays on the M1 heading south around Junction 11 at Dunstable Speed. They're down to around 20 miles an hour. Trains aren't looking too bad at all, though. All moving nicely this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Well, that's it. That's your lot for today. I think we managed to successfully get through all of that. Thank you for all of your calls, as always. I shall be back tomorrow, bright and early at six o'clock, so do tune in. But stick around. Coming up next, it's the excellent JVS. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Monday, and on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, would you welcome more cuts to save the UK's economy? The markets have opened today for the first time